They had a special on E! about The Rock that was filmed last week. Rock's talking about his kids. And you know what happened? They said on the show that it is The Rock and Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania, taped a week ago. What I actually think happened was Rock showed up, decided this is going to be the year, decided he was taking that main event or whatever. They shifted and they shot the angle. The fans totally rejected it. And I think, to their credit, they shifted back to Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. And everybody complaining about how it's stupid and it's convoluted and it's idiocy. Yeah, you know what they did is they had an idea and it didn't work and so they changed course. We should actually be happy about that. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this very special edition of the Main Event Talk Podcast. It is Saturday. Uh, where are we at? It is Saturday, February 17th. I am the Main Event Player, the Super Seeker himself, from Tours, coming back at you. The God of Mangans, the King of Kings, the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch, walking God's green earth. Now, before we do anything crazy, hopefully you guys had an opportunity to listen to one of the episodes that I was supposed to have released, and I'll explain in a moment, but let me go ahead and uh, go out by saying, hopefully you guys had an opportunity to listen to the Night of Reunion, a Night of Reunion, because that was the show where I was at um, two weeks ago on a Saturday, Uh, got a chance, I pretty much put a little documentary on there, gave a big shout out to everyone from... Uh, Matt Contu, you know, who, who who played this a whole lot. As a matter of fact, he went ahead and played it on Facebook for me. I was like, holy shit. So thank you very much, Matt Contu, for that. Uh, thank you to Tony Gomez. Thank you to the Periwinkle Massacre and everything else like that. If you've not had an opportunity to listen to that episode it, it, that came out last week, get a chance to listen to it. As a matter of fact, it came out, I decided to release it on the Super Bowl. And... Uh, and, and let me also explain why um, there was a lot of things that happened. Um, <clears throat> a lot of things that happened uh, last weekend, uh, all involving a friend of mine who had came over. And I guess it's one of those points where a friend of mine does not want to be in the spot that he's in. And he wants to go ahead and leave the house and come over and drink a couple of beers with his old buddy. So who am I to say say no, huh? And plus, especially especially when I told him I had a bottle of Jaeger at the house. So he he came coming right away, you know, so that's what happened. So uh, I was supposed to have done a three-part episode. 
the episode that you heard last week was the episode, was the third episode that I was going to do. I was going to talk about the press conference that took place. I was going to talk about Vengeance Day and everything else like that. I've not had an opportunity to cover any of those bases, but we're going to cover it all today and everything. We're going to cover everything, including uh, some stuff happening with NXT Vengeance Day. Stand and Deliver is going to be coming very, very soon. We're going to give you the results of Vengeance Day that took place just two weeks ago. We're also going to talk several things, including... AEW's revolution is coming in about a couple of weeks. WrestleMania is about 40, what, 47, 46 days away. Coming up, of course. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about, including Scott Demore being released from, the, from TNA. And a lot of fans are outraged about that. And especially the talent was outraged about that. There was a lot of stuff that I was hearing uh, that was so incredible. It's just unbelievable. Uh, the whole thing with the press conference, we're going to save that for the end of this show because I, <clears throat> I managed to record the entire, almost the entire press conference. Uh, I went ahead and recorded Triple H when it came out and then recorded the one where Seth Rollins came out, Roman Reigns came out and the whole nine yards. It was one of those things where it was just, holy shit. It was incredible. The press conference and everything was incredible. We're going to save all of that for the end. So, I want to go ahead and take this opportunity to say congratulations are in order for the San Francisco, I'm sorry, for the Kansas City Chiefs who are now, let's see, three times, right? Four, three-time champions now. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have won their third championship. Patrick Mahomes, uh, MVP, and everything else like that. It was a, a great, great game, and I got and I gotta say that too. I was watching the game, and at first, like you know, I went ahead and uh, I bought me some chicken fajitas, I bought me some beef fajitas, I bought me some sausages, I bought whatever I could, you know, to cook out for the uh, for the Super Bowl. And originally, I did not really want to see the game because I was mostly into, you know, the the um, I was mostly into the commercials that came out, and I saw several commercials that came out that were pretty good. I think the State Farm one was pretty good. Neighbor, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then there was a commercial, uh, a Mountain Dew commercial, the Mountain Dew Baja Blast that featured Jade Cargill, and that was like holy crap! I I wasn't expecting that, but that was pretty good. That was very, very good, to say the very least. I couldn't believe that I saw Jade Cargill appear there. It was something that I was not expecting, but it happened the way it did, and I was glad. There was also another commercial for uh, FanDuel, right, that featured John Cena, that featured Mr. T. There was another one I saw. Oh, and there was also one... And I thought this was uh, appropriate. And I never had a chance to mention this on my Main Event Talk podcast until now. They did one, uh, the fan the fan duel that happened with John Cena, that happened with Kronk, and then all of a sudden an appearance from Carl Weathers. Now, for those of you that know who he is, he was the man that played Apollo in Rocky. Rocky 1, Rocky 2, I believe he appeared in Rocky 3 and 4 which led to his death at that time, if you remember the movie quite well. Uh, once, uh, once I saw Apollo Creed came out, I just, I just 
I started clapping my hands because that was just beautiful. That was that that by far was the best. I mean, there was a lot of great Super Bowl commercials that came out, certainly no question. But I think this one was the one that really sticked out the most out of all of them because I mean, it's Carl Weathers. I guess this was his last appearance before he passed on and you know, it was sad, but it was it was the perfect tribute. It was a perfect tribute. There was no way to top that. And I loved it. It was great. You know, uh, you know, I um of all of the of all of the games that I would have loved to have seen this one, the 40, the 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs was a rematch that took place about I think it was four or five years ago, I think, and I think I saw it over at Richards Billiards. It was a great game. <coughs> it was a great game by no stretch of the imagination, you know, because of the fact that I didn't want to see this match. I didn't want to see his game. I admit that it was, oh, hold on a second, uh, something <laughs> I was trying to... Um, log back into something real quick that should do it perfect there we go yeah i was trying to do something on my computer and everything else like that i didn't want to um come through so now we're back on here we go there it is so anyways um like i said before i was watching the super bowl uh how it is it was a great game from head to toe i really liked how this was and um, and I had asked for an overtime game, and it was the overtime game last. And there was uh, several rule changes that happened. And I, and I think it was before it used to be where if a team scored a touchdown or field goal, then that would be the end of the game. But if one team gets a field goal and gets a... Um, if one team gets a field goal and gets a touchdown, then the other team must do exactly what they did. And if they don't, then the other team wins. And I, you know, it's a it's a bunch of rule changes that happen <clears throat> during that time. But uh, nonetheless, one one fatal mistake, <clears throat> and <coughs> Kansas City took advantage of the whole situation. Which they did, and they walked out. <coughs> they walked out Super Bowl champs at the very end, and it was good. It was a good game, good game from head to toe. Uh, loved it. Um, I'm glad. I'm. I wasn't really. I was. I was one of those fans that was into the game all the way around, but it was one. You know. I mean, me being a Dallas Cowboy fan, and you know how that shit rolls and everything. I, I mean, I'm I'm an NFL fan. I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of the Cowboys, but I am a football fan. You know, I'm a fan of the NFL. <clears throat> I love how the game is, and, and sometimes it doesn't really matter what team you root for, as long as they put on a good performance and as long as they put on a good game. This was a very good game. This was a very competitive game. Now. Some of you may have um, seen some interesting videos that came out on TikTok and everything else like that. And those videos involve a lot of people smashing their fucking teeth. What is up with all of these videos with people 
smashing their fucking TVs. I swear to God, I mean, and it's like this. They've done it with every team. Well, they they have done it with either the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles because they lost um, with the 49ers. And then all of a sudden I heard something about a shooting that took place over at uh, at a Kansas City parade, which I kind of find that to be very, very scary. Holy fuck. I mean, people do. Oh, and there was also this one part on the Super Bowl where I saw... I didn't see part of it, but apparently somebody mentioned something about a streaker, right? And somebody put a video out where they this guy was almost about to streak. He was halfway until he got his shirt on. I, you know, what is it with all of these people that want to go ahead and do something super stupid in the soup? Never mind. I just answered my own question. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the WWE to go ahead and pull something like that off at WrestleMania. Have a streaker come in right in the middle of a Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes match. We'll see what the fuck happens there. But nonetheless, big congratulations go out to the Kansas City, uh, I'm sorry, to the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the 49ers. And I know several of my friends who are 49er fans are not too happy with this. But as I said, and I always say, there's always next year. Uh, you know, and the funny thing was, I had a recording. I had a recording that I did about a few days, well, a few weeks ago. Actually, last month, to be exact. Um, where we talked about, I talked about the Cowboys. They mention an embarrassing loss. We We had an embarrassing loss, right? But, and my thought was, okay, how, how is this embarrassing? Well, you your team scored this and that on a, every team. Oh yeah, but didn't we do that last year too? And then did we do that before? And and did we do that before? And didn't we do that before? It, it's like this. It's like I'm I'm hearing all of this stuff about, you know, you know you had it, and then all of a sudden I was so embarrassed. It's like I'm looking at it like, no, that's not embarrassing at all. Hell no. That that that's just that's just a typical loss. What do you expect? You know, and there are times where I'm hearing stuff about. It's rigged, and times where I'm also hearing the term, um, it's all fixed. You know, this this is the uh, the Super Bowl rig or whatever that fuck they call it and everything. They give out all of these different prefaces as to how the NFL is fixed. You know, and you can give any analogy you want to, and sometimes I always feel like. You know, maybe it is rigged or maybe it's not rigged. You know, <clears throat> I don't know what the answer is for that. <coughs> all we could do at this point is just enjoy the game. That's all we can do. Enjoy the game. That's all that we can fucking do. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the commercials. Enjoy the food. See how it goes. And let's make sure that your TV is still in one place. Otherwise, the next thing that will happen is you will walk by the store and you will see a long line at Walmart say, hey, look at all those 49er fans getting brand new TVs on their way out. Oh, hell yeah. Make, make sure you get the warranty while you're at it. <laughs> oh, God, it's so fucking incredible. So, once again, big congratulations to the 49 or big congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Winning Super Bowl 58. Uh, oh, and no doubt, no doubt Taylor Swift had something to do with it. And, 
You know, I oh, and I saw the Super Bowl halftime show. I'll be honest. I will be honest. I've never really tried to like the Super Bowl halftime show. I really, really don't. Because, uh, number one, if you really want to make it a halftime show, put Metallica on stage with Tool. And and, and I think I said this on, on Facebook somewhere. I want you to get Shattered Sun and Prairie Massacre to perform at the Super Bowl show. And you make it fucking interesting to the point where you have Testament and Metallica and Pantera. And you got yourself, a, you got yourself one hell of a fucking show. That's how it is. That's how it should roll. You know? But it is what it is, you know. Usher, I didn't have a problem with him being there. Because there were a couple of songs in there that uh, I kind of liked and I was getting into it. It kind of takes me back to a time when I used to love a girl and everything else like that. And, you know, it's, it's you know, you know how you, there, there was this one song, You Got It Bad, I think that's what it's called. And it, it just makes me think about a woman that I used to fall in love with a long time ago. One of those things, you know. <clears throat> but you know how that shit goes. But nonetheless, the uh, the halftime show was okay. Don't know what else is going to happen, but we'll see what happens next year. And also, also one other thing before we move on to the next thing we got to talk about. I must make something real clear with everybody. And I mentioned this on Facebook. I mentioned this all over. And I understand that it's not the same, but it's common sense, people. Listen, I want you to listen to this. Very, very carefully. Listen to the main event when I talk to you. All of you NFL fans out there, the NFL season is over. You understand me? The NFL season, it's over. It's done. It's out the window. You don't have to deal with the NFL anymore. We'll see the NFL in the next coming season. However, football season, on the other hand, is not over by a fucking long shot. You still have this thing called the UFL. You might have heard about the uh, the concept of the XFL coming together with the USFL. And they're coming together to make one complete football league, which, of course, we know who owns that league. And I'm talking about the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. The people's champion, The Rock, will be talking about him at the conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. So let's let's be clear. Let's be clear on something here. The football, the NFL season is over. It's done. Football, on the other hand, is not. We still got the UFL, okay? And I, I know some people are going to tell me, it's not the same. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's the fucking same. The only difference is that football is still going on. The NFL's done. Now we have the UFL. You fucking bastards. Dear fucking God. Get a life. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way, okay? All right, anyways, let's get into some music while we can, and then we got some TNA news to talk about. Let's get to it, shall we?
This episode of the Main Event Talk podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes, the bar among bars and the billiards among billiards. And also sponsored by the Tony Gomez Show. You are the master of your own destiny. Check out the Tony Gomez Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. Subscribe to the Tony Gomez Show wherever you go and listen to the Pit Podcaster himself wherever you go. And we got to talk about Scott Demore. What's going on here, Tom? What happened to Scott Demore? Scott Demore is no more. He is no more. At TNA, apparently, according to... Anthem Sports and Entertainment. He has been replaced with who I believe is the president of Anthem 
Sports and Entertainment, Anthony Sissione. The promotion's parent company revealed he had been terminated. Anthony Sissione has been named the new president. They announced today that he was a new president. Moves The move aims to further integrate TNA Wrestling into Anthem's entertainment group, of which Sissione is the president, leveraging the entire company's resources to add more value in areas including production, distribution, marketing, viewership. What does this have to do with Scott Demore? His contract has been terminated. He had been a part of TNA since 2003. Held many key leadership positions played a vital role in the growth of the company leading to its strong industry reputation today including the successful return of the tna wrestling brand in 2024 this is what they wrote anthem thanks him for the commitment he brought to the business the talent and the people who work outside the ring which of course begs the question if you uh if you're talking about how he helped lead to the situation you're in today which here's the thing with tna is tna when you compare it to WWE, AEW, New Japan, is it a rousing success right now at making money hand over fist? Of course not. If you look at TNA as compared to it was where it was five years ago, four years ago, is it in a much better place? Yeah. And, you know, shows of late, I mean, we're talking, you know, there have been a few shows that have been, you know, close to what AW Dynamite and Collision have been doing. I believe you know, they sold out the Palms. They've they've it's increased fifteen hundred people interest in the promotion. They have increased. You know, they've sold more tickets. Why did you get rid of Scott Demore now? You just did a rebrand, which you know everybody is for whatever reason. I guess because people love, uh, you know, nostalgia. I mean, they like it. So, cool. Uh, whatever. I mean, you know, I don't have nostalgia for the old TNA. It sucked, for the most part. But uh, people like nostalgia, and so it's back, and people are into it. Why do you get rid of him now? BW Insider reporting belief the decision came from Anthem President and CEO Leonard Asper. Fightful said that talent was informed. They were on a Zoom call to discuss it earlier today. He uh, had left for a while. His second stint began in 2017 when Jeff Jarrett brought him back. December 2017, DeMore and Callis were named executive vice presidents. DeMore later named president of Impact in March of 2023. Sissione will now run the day-to-day operations of TNA Wrestling. No wrestling experience, although he has been with Anthem for 16 years, and, uh, and etc. So Scott DeMore has, he has a lot of money. He's uh, he's independently wealthy, and he had been doing this job, you know, basically because he loved doing it for a long time. And he had a lot of people that were friends with him. He had a lot of people that thought he did a great job. And there were a lot of people in, in, TN, in uh, TNA today that are caught completely off guard, not happy about it, don't understand it, and nobody has come up with any sort of explanation as to why he was removed. So, I mean, we'll talk to Lance later on today. He'll be on the show this afternoon, 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern. He's currently working for TNA. My guess is he doesn't know anything either, but we can ask him. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Rossi Ogawa out. Scott Demore out. Vince McMahon out. Where was that prediction? 
So there you go. This person says he could be all elite. He could end up all elite, but he didn't leave. They fired him. So, I don't know. Shannon Knapp better be watching out, too. Invicta FC, one of the other assets. Of yeah, who else from a major office is going to be ousted? Hopefully not old Tanahashi. He just got that job. Anthem Sports and Entertainment really doesn't have that many assets, which it looks like they could try to leverage to use with TNA. I mean, I don't. By reading that release, it sounds like they would try to integrate it with some other properties. But I mean, I looked it up, and I didn't see very many other properties. HDNet Movies, Access TV, Invicta. We've got a lot of questions here. Brennan wants to know, do you see him landing anywhere else? I don't know. It's it's completely up to him. But, you know, you got to, I, I, I don't know. I, you'd have to ask him. But, you know, he was he was in a very powerful position. He got to make a lot of decisions. And if he goes to WWE, he's not going to be in that position. If he goes to AEW, he's not going to be in that position. He doesn't need to work anywhere. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, he's, he's come and gone from... TNA before, I wouldn't uh, say it's impossible he could ever, he would never come back, but but I don't know. So Scott Demore, um, you know, once I heard about um, uh, Scott Demore being fired from TNA Wrestling, that literally left a shock with everybody, you know? And I was like, okay, what in the hell's going on? I mean, it's one thing when there's a a certain superstar being fired and everything. And it's another, if it's someone that that really doesn't mean much to the company and should move on somewhere else. But Scott Demore, who had been a part of the company for a long time, and then he was eventually fired from the company and only to be brought back. And then I, I, I guess... Um, I'm not sure if this was it. I'm not, I'm not sure how this was going to work. But I guess Scott, Scott may have been responsible for TNA Wrestling coming back in the direction that, that it's in and stuff. So, it, you know, I it, and it kind of makes me wonder now, what was the point of TNA coming back if Scott Demore is not going to be a part of it? You know what I mean? But I think... I think I have to look at it as this. This is the new TNA. This is the new TNA wrestling. And I think what they want to do is they want to try and bring bring the old school element of TNA wrestling back into the fold. But bring something much newer and much more fresher and hipper. And not that Scott Demore did not deserve to be a part of this TNA... Because let's face it, when you look at the direction and when you look at how TNA is being built right now, TNA has all the right all the right components and all the right stars involved. It just needs to have something that will give it give it life, right? And I think Scott Demore was a big reason for that. Now I don't know where this is gonna go now with now, uh, I guess, a new creative direction, uh, a new part in this whole situation. It's a whole lot of stuff that it just, 
It does. It doesn't make sense to me, but I bet it will at the end. I don't know how. What will happen now that Scott Demore is gone? And I do. I feel he should come back. Possibly. Do I think TNA is TNA wrestling going down? I don't think so. I think if anything, I think TNA is in the position that it's in right now because of a new direction. And if that means going with something more new, uh, something with a different approach, that's fine. But you also have to keep in mind, for years, there's always been somebody trying to give a new direction to a wrestling product. And oftentimes, there have been wrestlers who want to try and get in on this. And a wrestler becoming a part of creative giving a wrestling idea to a wrestling show sometimes works depending on the experience. Now, if this was a non-wrestler, sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. And oftentimes it really doesn't work because you can't just bring some, some new guy into the mix thinking that he knows wrestling. Well, when his vision is totally different from the vision of what everyone else is looking at, you know, and it's happened for years. It's happened in WCW. It's happened in the WWE. And now, you know, with with everything that's happening in WWE making sense, TNA, if the direction is they're going to have a guy that's a non-wrestling guy and go in a different direction, okay, but we'll see how this guy works out. If it doesn't work out, there's going to be this very good chance that they're going to bring Scott Demore back. Now, if... Now, two things with Scott Demore. I don't know if he'll come back to TNA. And also, there's a very good chance we might see Scott Demore either in WWE or in AEW. I think Scott would fit perfectly with WWE. I think he will. With with the new direction, with the new direction that they have, with everything that's happened with the WWE, I think I think Triple H and everyone will probably put Scott Demore in this position to where he can work with creative over in WWE. He can give him some sort of a, an angle of some kind. I'm not sure. But it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here as far as Scott Demore goes. I wish nothing but the best for Scott. I hope I see him in WWE real soon. He, if he ends up in AEW, uh, that would be good too. But you're going to be dealing with uh, children, clowns, morons, and idiots that have no clue about what the fuck they're doing. So, you know, I wish nothing but the best for Scott. I mean, I hope, I hope things turn out good for him. I hope he does come back to TNA Wrestling. I hope they do re- rehire him. And if he ends up in a different promotion, well, best of luck to him. When I was a young boy, I'd say probably... First, second grade, somewhere around there. I was a big fan of The Muppet Show. I know that's hard to believe. And it aired on the local PBS station, Channel 9. Watched it every night, 7.30. Loved The Muppet Show. And then one day, The Muppet Show got removed from PBS Channel 9. I was very, very disappointed. 
And you know what else? All of the other kids in my class were also very disappointed. And so we actually all got together. We all wrote letters to the local PBS affiliate. And we begged them to bring back The Muppet Show. And uh, they did. They brought it back because really? of our, our letter-writing campaign to the local PBS station. Oh, man, I bet you yes. some teachers got some shine out of that deal on the news. You must love that. Now, I bring this up because of this from the front page of WrestlingObserver.com. I have never heard of anything like this before. What's that? The TNA Wrestling roster is looking to find a path forward following Scott DeMore's departure from the company. Members of the TNA roster publicly voiced their support for DeMore on social media after the announcement. Today, Fightful published a letter that members of the roster sent to Anthem Sports and Entertainment CEO Leonard Asper and DeMore. In the letter, the TNA wrestlers expressed their belief that TNA or that DeMore is still the best possible person to protect TNA's present and future. Oh, wait, hold on, Brian. Let me actually read it here because it says it's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time oh, to meet the Oh, stop that. Oh. We feel strongly, the letter said, that a wrestling person, in quotes, needs to be intimately involved at a high level to ensure the amazing company we have all built and product we have provided to our fans continues to grow and flourish. It is our opinion that the best possible person for that role was, is, and will be Scott. They have arranged a letter-writing campaign to Anthem to bring back Scott Demore. Bros, has that ever happened in wrestling? I hope, I hope Dude, this is 4D chess. This hold is the on greatest booking ever. I've been around a long time, and I've seen a lot, okay? I can't ever remember... Like the head booker of a company being ousted, and the roster all got together to do a letter writing campaign <laughs> to ownership to please bring this person back. Has it happened? That tells you, by the way, about what they thought of Scott Demore. Yeah. Has it happened in some form in Japan with a group at some point or another to any varying degree? I don't know. I, I would have to go back and look that up. But, yeah, I mean, this is just a business decision that was made by Anthem that is not very good. And they have gone about it in the worst of ways because they misrepresented it to the talent. And how do you lose all of the faith? You get rid of somebody who's there because, essentially... You can't work with them anymore because you're kind of tired of telling him you're not going to spend any more money and you're not going to do anymore. And he goes and leaves and you misrepresent why he left to the talent. And then you're in this situation where, again, you find out maybe if you're a talent, you didn't know that Demore had offered to buy the company, which really drives you nuts. I mean, look at the response that this has gotten. This may be a Rossi O'Gawa situation if Scott Demore can actually somehow land a TV channel or a TV deal of some kind anywhere in the world that, you know, <laughs> maybe the wrestlers start going over and join him as opposed to sticking around with Anthem. Because what are you getting out of Anthem besides a lot of 
cuts. A lot of cuts were made at the end of last year. A lot of people forget about this. That gets wiped away in the fact that they've had a good start to the year, and creatively, they've been doing well. They were slicing that thing to the bone at the end of the year with people not resigning and them not resigning people. So this whole deal with Demore is a, a bad deal, but it's all a business deal, and it all lies at the feet of Anthem. Not only for Demore, but for Ed Nordholm, too, who apparently was at least trying to do something to rally up the company and trying to get them to spend money and okaying that sort of thing. He's out of the job now, too. This is a rough road right now for Anthem. We remain steadfast and hopeful that this letter can be a first step to opening and keeping open productive lines of communication to ensure the TNA Impact family continues to be a wonderful, unique place to work for years to come. We ask and implore you both to come together and create a resolution that will reunite this family once again. Well, if they wrote that letter to uh, Leonard Asper, well, I ain't gonna help much. I have to write another letter here. Can I ask you a question? What kind of great PBS donor did you have that was able to get a network show like The Muppet Show aired on your local PBS affiliate and reruns? I don't know, brother. I don't know how the whole thing. I'm gonna ask my mom what happened, because she'd remember better than me. I can't even remember five years ago, much less 1982, but it definitely happened. Back in a moment, Observer Live. Okay, speaking of TNA Wrestling, they have an event coming up happening on the same time. Well, not the same time uh, accidentally, but it's going to happen on Saturday, uh, February 24th. And the reason why I say that is because, oh, 23rd, I'm sorry. Let's see. Um, oh, it's on a Friday. I'm sorry. Um, no Surrender is going to be happening on Friday, February 23rd. Once again, I do not understand why they still have to have these pay-per-views on a Friday when nobody really watches them. Put it on a Sunday to a point where we can all watch it happen and everything else like that. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, let's get into some of the matches that are going to take place at the No Surrender pay-per-view event. So far, we have a total of five matches that are going to take place at that event. And five of those matches consist of No Surrender Match for the TNA World Championship. Moose, alongside with Eddie Edwards and Brian Myers, will be defending the championship against Alex Shelley. This is pretty much going to be a rematch from the Hard to Kill event that took place just last month, as a matter of fact. PCO to go one-on-one against Khan in a singles match. TNA Knockouts Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Decay defends the championship against the former champions MK Ultra. TNA Knockouts World Championship will be on the line. Jordan Grace will be defending the championship against the number one contender in Glisdale Shaw, who won the Women's Ultimate Exit Hard to Kill, which gives her an opportunity at the championship at No Surrender. And, of course, we got the X Division Championship being on the line as Chris Saban to defend his championship against Mustafa Ali. Yes, Mustafa Ali is in TNA and will have an opportunity at the X Division Championship. It should be a spectacular matchup. Remember, TNA Wrestling's No Surrender will happen on Friday, February 23rd. It's going to be interesting to check out and everything. So, uh, you know, going to be looking forward to it. Uh, I am a subscriber. I am a subscriber to the TNA Plus. 
had a chance to look at several of the old school TNA that happened uh, probably 2002, I think. I watched the first episode, which was, oh God, when you, when you see the first episode, listen, the only thing that was memorable about that event was not just the fact that Ken Shamrock won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in a battle royal, because that's what took place. There were several matches. Now, now watch this, if you will, and you'll find this funny. You'll find this extremely funny when I tell you the individuals involved. Um, one of the matches I saw was a six-man tag team match. It consists of three future superstars. Well, one, one that was already a star, but with two other future stars, Jerry Lynn... AJ Styles and uh, K Quick, or I, I, not K Quick, uh, I think it was uh, Low Key, Low Key, if I'm not mistaken. To, and they were taking on. Oh boy, I. I really don't know if I should even mention it. They took on the Flying Elvises. I kid you not. They took on the Flying Elvises. And I was watching this and saying to myself, are you fucking kidding me? You got these three legit athletes competing up against these fucking goofballs. And by the way, there were a lot of goofballs in TNA wrestling at the very beginning of that show. I'll tell you that right now. When you watch that first episode, obviously we know who was involved. Obviously we know who played a part in it. And obviously we know who we have to shoot in the head and all that other stuff. I'll tell you, that was bad. But you talk about the next episode that happened after that. Uh, the one thing that was... There was two things that was highlighted. Uh, you had Jeff Jarrett in a one-on-one -on -one match with Scott Hall, right? And then at the end of the match, there was some stuff in between, which, by the way, if you get a chance to watch TNA+, Plus, I'm, I'm telling you this for your own good. Watch... Some of the Asylum years, but watch them, I would say, what, 2003, 2004, from back in the day. And then when you check out the ones from 2005, 6, 7, 8, and 9, those were the better years. Those were the way better years. You see the ones in 2002, holy fuck. WCW picked up where they left off in TNA. I swear to God. But the, the following episode was episode two, right? I think it took place in June. There was a four-way match. It, was, it really wasn't a four-way match. It was four individuals dividing to have an opportunity at a title that would be known as the X title. It would be simply known as the X Division Championship. And these individuals consist of AJ Styles, Psychosis, Jerry Lynn and Low Key. And I'll tell you, when I saw this at the end of the matchup, I said to myself, my fucking God, why didn't you show this from the start? This was a damn good matchup. And what they did was simple. It's a double elimination in this matchup. And what happens is two competitors compete in the ring. And when one gets eliminated and, you know, by pinfall or submission, then you get the next opponent, you know, and, and vice versa. So... Uh, let's see, Jerry Lynn, not Jerry Lynn, I'm sorry. 
It was uh, Psychosis who got eliminated twice. Low-Key got eliminated twice. And then it was down to uh, Jerry Lynn and AJ Styles, who was already eliminated from... Who was eliminated once, and Jerry Lynn was never eliminated. So you had to beat Jerry Lynn once. And if you beat him once, then the match starts, and you had Rick and Dragonstein both, each with, each with an elimination, and it would give them an opportunity to go after the new NWA X Championship, or as, as we would call it, the Exhibition Championship. Of course, it ended with AJ Styles walking out with the NXT or the X the NWA X Division Championship at the time he would be the first uh holder to hold on to that championship and I got to say you know it was incredible I loved the ending of that and I said to myself it's like oh my god if you put uh, the event itself was like about an hour I would say about an hour and 43 45 minutes of TNA right if we and and we all we got in wrestling was about uh twenty twenty three maybe twenty four minutes of good wrestling action while we got a bunch of fucking goofball. I would see a future tag team, a future tag team that would be known as America's Most Wanted of the Cowboy James Norm and uh, the Wildcat Chris Harris, who would be a team for that time. Right, and they were facing off against some team that was. It was an odd team. It was a very, very odd team. It was like. It was like what? How do I put this delicately? It was like a gay ash version of the Midnight Express, and Joe Gertner is Jim Cornette. Oh my. God, I mean, if you were to have an opportunity to see... I, look, I, I recommend you would get TNA+, Plus, but my recommendation is this. If you get TNA+, Plus, if you order it, if you put it on your, on your TV or whatever it is you put it on, do me a favor. Do me a huge favor. I need you to make sure that you watch the ones from 2003, 2004, 2005, all the way down to 2009. Those were the better TNA years. 2002 was bad. 2003 was probably a little bit badder, but I want to I'll watch that when I have the opportunity. It was just insane how all this goes down. But get a chance to check. Oh, and by the way, I had a chance to uh, now be able to watch Hard to Kill now. Yeah. I think there's a limited time where if you're a subscriber and you get a chance to um you get a chance to uh watch the uh match that takes place um You'll be able to see the TNA Hard to Kill, the most recent pay-per-view. You'll see it when it happens, you know, like like if the pay-per-view started in, what was it, January 13th, right? You'll have about a couple of weeks, and then it'll be for free. So you'll be able to see it. But that, that comes with the TNA Plus and everything else like that. If you watch No Surrender, you have to actually... You'll check out the Countdown show for free. That's no problem. But if you check out No Mercy or No Surrender, I'm sorry, you have to pay for the pay-per-view. And it's like $39. I'm not going to pay an extra $39 for that. I'll just wait till it's over. Then I'll be able to watch it. You know, simple as that. I mean, I have another way to watch it, but I ain't going to tell you. you know? Simple, crazy-ass shit. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm.
In the universe of NXT, where traditions often sway, Valentine's Day transforms into Vengeance Day. Locked in combat, a quest for the gold, championships and loyalty. A dream yet to behold. We gonna win the Dusty Cup. We gonna win them tag team championships. The Wolf Dogs are on the hunt. It's been a long time since I've had some gold. I'm with that. Through trials and tribulations, Tina tested a new trick. You deserve your title match on a big stage. Vengeance intertwined with friendship. An unlikely view. Ilya sees you as a threat. He knows that you won't have to wrestle twice in the same night. Your love, a titan, glimmers on display. Everybody's been able to witness the rise of Lara Valkyria while I've had to chase down a championship that I never lost in the first place. This is a match that everyone wants to see. But after Vengeance Day, you will always stay behind me. In a friendship's decay, Golden Dynasty's fall as new champions emerge to realize destiny's call. New North American Champion! I dropped Dragon Lee because I am bucked by destiny. Over. I won the championship rematch that I deserve. I'll see you at Vengeance Day! Feel the pulse of the crowd, a rhythmic beat, where ambitions and spotlight at Vengeance Day meet. You and me, we finish what we started. We win the Dusty Cup, and then the main event. Me, Ilya, for the NXT Championship. Trick! You ride a wave of momentum that has been barely ever seen before. But I will do whatever it takes to remain NXT Champion! The baddest man in NXT versus the hottest superstar. And I'm going to be your new NXT Champion. Can you tell me I'm rich again? Okay, guys, let's go ahead and talk about NXT Vengeance Day that took place just about a week ago. Now, we have not had an opportunity to talk about the event itself, but we're fixing to talk to it right now. Uh, Vengeance Day took place around February 4th, right? And we, like I said, we've never had an opportunity to talk about it, but I had a chance to look at the event itself. So we'll run down the list here from top to bottom. And give you an idea as to where this is going here. So, the first matchup of the night was the Men's Dusty Cup Tag Team Classic. The finals consist of Baron Corbin and Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker <coughs> taking on Trick Mellow Gang of Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Trick Williams lost. 
Braun Breaker beat him, or actually I think it was Baron Corbin that beat him and everything else like that. Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker win the Dusty Cup Classic. Now that gives them an opportunity to go after the tag team titles, which I'll mention later on in this episode of the Maven Talk Podcast. The next matchup was a no-disqualification match. Jack defeating Joe Gacy. And, um... You know, to say that Joe Gacy is starting to become more and more and more and more and more like a version of Mick Foley and Bray Wyatt combined in two. No one has seen it yet, but combined in two, I guarantee you something is about to go down and there's a little bit more to store than meets the eye. Six-person tag match, which features the family, the D'Angelo family. Tony D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo. Lorenzo Stacks and Rizzo defeating OTM of Lucien, Lucien Price, Bronco, uh, Na, Nima, Namina? Wait, wait a minute, who? What? Oh, wait, wait. I'll, I'll go by the names here. Bryce, Bronco, and Jada Parker with scripts in their side. They lost to the Angelo family in the six-man tag team match. Live Valkyria retained her championship at the hands of Roxanne, both Roxanne Perez and Lola Vice. Lola Vice went ahead and tried to cash in her opportunity, which, in my opinion, was a big mistake, a huge mistake. And the smartest thing for her to have done that would have been at Stand and Deliver. That would have worked out, but oh well. Plans didn't work. It's out the window. Now, Live Valkyrie is still the champion. And yes, the lunatic known as Tatum Paxley got involved. Interesting. Obafemi defeated Dragon Lee in a very decisive matter to retain the NXT North American Championship. And I got to say, I am very impressed. Very, very impressed with this Oma Femi guy. And I have no doubt we'll see a lot of him. And I'm going to see how far he goes with this championship. I really, this dude has been around for a couple of weeks already. And he's already making waves and fans are already getting behind this guy. He's already getting behind this guy and this dude's a fucking big deal. Huge deal, to say at the very least. And of course, we're down to the main event right here. It is the NXT Championship matchup. Ilya Dragunov going one-on-one against Trick Williams. Before we talk about that matchup, we mentioned earlier that Trick Williams and Mello lost in the matchup, and we've all been anticipating to find out exactly what was about to happen. This was an incredible matchup, to say the very least. I was kind of hoping for Trick Mello, or I was hoping for Mello anyway, not to be involved in this matchup in any way possible. But unfortunately, it ended up the way it did. He's out. He's done. And, well, Mello, Trick, uh, I'm sorry, Trick had tried and failed. Well, actually, when you think about it, Trick was close. Was very, very close, but unfortunately, it did not go down the way it did. So, therefore... Ilya Dragunov is still the NXT champion. And then at the end of the night, we've been anticipating to wonder when, how, and when was it going to happen. I think I made this prediction 
somewhere in the future where I said, and I quote, we're going to see Mello turn on Trick Williams at Vengeance Day. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it was pretty much perfect. It was done right, and Mello is going to be in serious trouble. So, with that being said, we now know where Trick, Trick Williams is at right now. He's hurt, but he's going to be coming back soon. And Mello is going to be thinking that nothing is going to stop him because he has an opportunity at the NXT Championship this week as he takes on Ilya Dragunov. I believe it's going to be at Roadblock, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that event's going to happen sometime in March. We'll give you some details about that and everything else like that. Also, no word on Stand and Deliver just yet. No deal on no matches just yet, but we'll find out sometime around maybe March or maybe at the end of February to find out what match is going to take place at NXT Stand Deliver. But I can tell you this right now, if they set this up the right way, if everything goes according to plan, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a triple threat match for the NXT Championship consist of Mello, Trick Williams, and Ilya Dragunov, and you place the winner as Trick Williams. You let him become the champion. Carmella Hayes goes on to SmackDown. Trick becomes the biggest thing in NXT. And then Ilya Dragunov could possibly go to SmackDown or Raw, whichever comes first. But we'll see how all that transpires since we're in the middle, middle of February. If you guys get an opportunity to check out WNXT... Vengeance Day, get a chance to check it out. It was a fantastic event. Um, Not their best event, but definitely an event to check out and everything. There were a couple of tricks that happened in this event. There was one part where, I think during the tag match, during the Dusty Cup Classic, uh, Braun Breaker had a little bit of an accident. Well, not too much of an accident, but luckily it didn't hurt him. You know how, how intense an individual is when they go right up against the ropes in very high speed? Well, apparently, I'm not sure what happened, and I think I must have saw it like maybe two, three times, where Braun Breaker was, you know, he was going at a real high speed, and when he was going up against the ropes, I think he he may have overlapsed a little bit. He went, like, his head went through the ropes, pushing back, and then when he was going to go forward, he kind of, I don't know if he snapped his neck back a little bit, or I don't know if he pull back on something, but that was that was very, very scary to check out. I mean, holy crap. And don't get me Braun, Braun, Braun Breaker is like intense. This dude, this is a Steiner for crying out loud. This is, this is Rick and Scott Steiner combined in one. That's what it is. Holy fuck. And I'll tell you, we're not sure if Braun Breaker is going to be signing to SmackDown or Raw soon. But there is something that you do need to know. Speaking of Braun Breaker, speaking of Braun uh, Baron Corbin, they are the brand new NXT Tag Team Champions. Yes. This past Tuesday night, Braun Breaker and uh, Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin have their taste of success, defeating the D'Angelo family, and now are the Tag Team Champions. No doubt they'll probably be defending their championships to stand and deliver. And the question is, how long will they remain tag team champions? And more importantly, when are we going to see? I mean, when it, you know, they just became champions. 
And this is, and, and for what I understand, this is the first time that Barry Corbett has won championship gold uh, in seven years, eight years, if I'm not mistaken, since he was the United States champion. If you, anybody remember that? Uh, kudos to Baron Corbin. And this is the thing. I'm not used to Baron Corbin being a babyface. But this was, but in a crazy way, this is something that needed to be done for a very, very long time. Now, Baron Corbin is still Baron Corbin no matter what. I still think the guy sucks, but he's got success going with Braun Breaker right now. They are tag team champions. They are in the level that they need to be at. Now, this is the point where now we're going to see them go a little bit farther than expected. So big congratulations go out to Baron Corbin and to Braun Breaker for becoming the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Where they go from here, we're not sure. We'll see what happens. NXT Vengeance Day took place. Check out the Encore presentation. Subscribe to Peacock and get a chance to check out NXT Vengeance Day as it happens. And also check out some of the uh, some of the replays that happen in YouTube with all of the exclusive interviews that happen during Vengeance Day. Uh, including the the whole thing that happened with Trick Mello and the whole thing that happened with um, NXT Women's Championship. Uh, you know, it, it was an incredible event. You got to check it out while you can, guys. It was great. Trick Williams versus Ilya Dragunov. Oh, man, I'm not going to let you review this. You're an idiot. Wow. This match was awesome. This what? match was maybe, maybe not as good as their last match. But, man, I don't know. They got going here. And first off... It's Trick and, and uh, Carmelo, or Elia. And the last time they had a match, they beat the fuck out of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started by beating the fuck out of each other. And uh, within one minute, Dragunov had a bloody nose, and Trick Williams was bleeding all over the place out of his mouth, like his teeth had been knocked out. Well, he got that in the first match, but still. It opened up again. And it only got more insane from there. We had German suplexes on the floor, DVDs on the apron. They're just pounding on each other. Ilya tried the H-bomb, and Trick just kicks him in the face with the toe of his fucking boot. Mm-hmm. He toe-booted him in the face. He boot-toed him in the face. And then he hit his code breaker, and Mel is outside. He's jumping up and down. He's all excited. And Trick hits the Harlem sidekick. Booker T flapjack. The crowd's going nuts. NXT and whoop that trick chance. And so finally, they're outside. And Mello starts trash-talking Ilya. So Ilya shoves him. Mello throws a punch. Ilya ducks. Shoves him into an accidental chop block on Trick's leg. Mm-hmm. So they throw Trick into the ring. Ilya power bombs him. Hits the H-bomb. Takes him to the corner. Goes for the middle rope H-bomb. Carmelo's on the outside. He can't do anything. He's just shaking his head in disappointment. And he comes off with his middle rope H-bomb. And the crowd's like, he's done. And they count one. They count two. They And then Trick kicks out. And they fucking went crazy for this. They're chanting, whoop that trick. And so then the referee gets in the ways. He's talking to, to Carmelo. And uh, he gets taken out as uh, Trick hits the jumping knee. Trick gets a jumping knee on Ilya. The, the, counts, the crowd counts along. They get all the way to 10. Second ref comes in. Ilya kicks out. Fans are chanting, Ref, you suck! So Ilya hits a jumping knee, hits another H-bomb. He goes up top for the super H-bomb, but Trick gets the knees up. He tries the trick knee. He's in one corner. Ilya's in this corner. He goes for the trick knee, and it's a, it's a legitimate car crash. 
even though there were no cars. It was right. a legitimate car crash. It is a trick knee into a torpedo. They are both killed on impact. And Elia falls on top for the pin. Hmm. This match ruled. And then afterwards, Carmelo looks so sad. And he gets in the ring and he says, You were so close. You almost had it. It's just always going to be the two of us. You're my boy, he says. And then he chop blocks him from behind. Mm-hmm. And he gets a chair and he destroys his knee. And you can hear a trick on the mat. He's audibly screaming, one more time! Yeah. So he hits him a couple more times. And then Mello grabs a TMG shirt and drops it across Trick's chest. Trick Mello game. And the fans, half the fans, like the, the shithead fans, actually, they're just the mad fans. They chant, fuck you, Mello. Yeah. And then the, the pleasant ones with children are chanting, Mello sucks. And that's how the show ends. And so the big question is, why did he take the bullet for Trick? Why was he sad when Trick lost and then turned on him at the end? And I don't know what the explanation is going to be. Well, I can tell you. What's the explanation? Sincerely, he thought that Trick beating Ilya and winning the world title was the most important thing. At least after the tag match. Moving past that loss and getting Trick the title was the most important thing. And then Trick fucked it up. Well, yeah, because the the argument could be that we had the chance to win the Dusty and the championship match. Mm-hmm. I told you to focus on the Dusty. You were too focused on the championship match. Yeah. And you know what? We lost the Dusty, but you could have won the title match. Yep. But you lost that, too, and we lost everything. So yeah. fuck you. Exactly. But the only problem is mm-hmm. we're also supposed to believe that Trick has already attacked him. Uh, probably, yeah. So if that is... I, they, they may it's Redcon, possible that's not the case. I'm thinking they may just never mention that backstage attack ever again. Well, okay, I have a question then. There was a point in this match when both wrestlers were outside, and Mello helps Trick up, and he hugs him. And the ref counts seven. The ref counts eight. Mello is still hugging him. Trick wriggles free and dives into the ring at, like, almost nine. Was that on purpose, or was that them... Not hearing the count. I presume. Well, they do that all the time. It's the uh, tease the count out and then jump in. They stole but, it from New Japan. Okay, but Mello was was holding him back from actually getting in the ring and almost He's trying to count him out. out. I don't know. We'll find I, out on uh, Tuesday. Okay. There's more to this story. I think so. So, uh, Brian is ignoring the first 10 minutes of the match, where essentially they bled a lot. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> All over the place. and uh, They bled in every match on the show, I think. Uh, so they have. Ilya said, just sell for ten minutes. I'll just kick your ass. And that's what happened. Uh, and then it did get... The longer it went, the better it got. That is yeah. true. That is true. That's wrestling. And mm-hmm. uh, it definitely, definitely picked up in the second half. And it was The finish, I don't think I've ever seen that finish. Where two guys just... Each guy knew, I'm going to hit you with my best shot. And at the same time, you are going to hit me with your best shot. And we'll just let the bodies fall where they may. And that's exactly what happened. And they did. And it was great. And, uh, and Ilya won. Uh, and I said, they, they, well, once they actually really, really started, this was really, really good. It took a while to get, get warmed up. But, uh, yeah, Ilya's great. Trick is very over. I am wondering what they're going to do for Stand and Deliver now, which is kind of, kind of my takeaway from the show. Usually, I, I can tell like what the big matches are. I know they're going to do Trick versus Mello, obviously. Mm-hmm. That'll be the big. That, that may, a long way to go, brother. That may be the main event. In fact, o- over Ilya. 
Now, do you do like Braun and Ilya or could? Who do you, who do you put in that spot? You could, uh, except I assume Braun and Baron will do something. They just want a tag match. Let's try tournament together. And they'll, they'll, they'll challenge the family. And maybe from there you, you get Braun versus Tony D, which sounds great. Because, frankly, Tony D should be doing... They're doing a lot with Tony D. They should be doing more. Yeah. He's awesome. But uh, you know what I really want to know on Tuesday? I want to hear what they have to say about Trick Mello in the barbershop. <laughs> That's true. Because we haven't seen the barbershop in a while. That's where these guys go. That's where they're, they're, their mutual friends are. And they're going to have to pick sides now. Whose barbershop is this? <laughs>
If you guys have any questions in regards to the show, all you have to do is go to my email address at the main event 1977 at gmail.com. That's the main event 1977 at gmail.com. Any suggestions in regards to the show, anything in regards to anything about professional wrestling or music or anything that you have in mind, all you got to do is go to the email address at the main event 1977 at gmail.com and I will be glad to mention it on the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Like so many of you, I am very excited about tonight's big announcement. You might have heard earlier today that TD Garden announced AEW is returning to Boston on Wednesday, March 13th. That will be a very important night for AEW and the entire pro wrestling industry because Wednesday, March 13th, five weeks from tonight, will be AEW Big Business live in Boston. You're not going to want to miss this show. Tickets go on sale this Saturday. The event takes place five weeks from tonight. And if you can't join us live in Boston, you're going to want to join us right here on TBS on March 13th. Because big business is going to be one of the most important nights ever in AEW. And a night that the entire pro wrestling industry will remember. Thanks, guys. Back to you. Big business in Boston. Yeah. Tickets on sale this Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Ticketmaster.com. Five weeks from tonight. Tony, tickets are going to be going fast for this one. Man, that's awfully intriguing announcement there by Tony Khan. I can't wait to return to Boston and the TD Garden. I cannot wait for big business. Now, that happened just about, I would say, about a week ago, right? So Tony Khan makes this big announcement. This big announcement that's going to take place on March... What was the date that I heard? March 13th, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is a few days before... Uh, big business on March 13th. Yes, March 13th. It's going to happen. It's uh, another dynamite show. You know, just like any other thing. Now, I'm going to come straight to the point. Obviously, we know what this announcement is. And, and the things that I've been hearing already have already stirred up well not stirred up controversy but we already know what's about to happen and boston gardens you know where this is going you saw the boston you know spelled wrong <clears throat> say the very least the dollar signs everyone everyone is thinking that the dollar signs are indicating that it's mercedes monet number one boston gardens boston hello Mercedes Monet in Boston, I think that makes a whole lot of sense of what other people were thinking. And also, I even said this and I quote, Tony Khan, we know what your announcement is. You know that you're bringing Mercedes Monet and you also know that you're bringing Okada to AEW. Quit wasting your time, okay? As far as I'm concerned, this announcement is big, but unfortunately, it's bad. And I say bad because... I already know exactly how this is going to go down. <clears throat> Think about this for a moment. AEW is going to have Mercedes Monet, right? Now, I would have loved to have seen her at the Revolution pay-per-view because it would have made a whole lot of sense. But when you think about this extremely close, 
I think it was the right move for that to take place on March 13th because you don't want Mercedes Monet's announcement to overshadow uh, the retirement of Sting. You know, Sting's last match to take place over at Revolution on Sunday, March 3rd, which we will talk about later on on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. So it does make a lot of sense for the TD Gardens to have the announcement to take place with Mercedes Monet being a part of it. We already know it's about to go down. And then Okada. We've already heard several rumblings about Okada possibly heading over to AEW, which is not a surprise. I mean, it's not a big surprise at all. I mean, it would have been nice for Okada to be over in WWE. It would have been nice for Okada to be a part of NXT. It would have been nice for him to compete in several big matches that would take place over in WWE. But I, I guess <clears throat> I guess when you think about why Okada is going to go to AEW, it's obvious. Um, number one, travel schedule. Uh, number two, the money is unfortunately somehow right, to say the very least. And number three, I, I think he has, I think Okada has a little bit more, uh, a little bit more respect when it comes to AEW. Now, the thing that I have a dispute with is Mercedes Monet being a part of AEW is not a surprise, but it's also a good thing for her to be a part of AEW because number one. I think the women's roster does need to have someone like her become champion. But also in the process, it's one of those things where I ask the question, how long will it be until she gets injured? How long will it be till she takes some time off? How long will it be till, you know, so many questions that come to mind. And listen, everyone has heard about Mercedes Monet and the contract signing and, and the, the, how much money w, she was actually offering she wanted a, a what, what was that I heard? She wanted the same price range as Charlotte, if not higher. This is my thought of Mercedes. She's not worth it. She's, she, she's not worth it. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about talent wise. She is worth it. But unfortunately for her, it's like there's nothing of great value that Mercedes Monet holds on to. Keep in mind, she had left the WWE almost a year and a half ago, right? And also, when Mercedes Monet was in New Japan, she was their IWGP Women's Champion, right? And she held on that, held on that championship for a while, and she was going to go for the, the the Women's Strongweight Championship, and then it ended up being at the hands of uh, Willow Nightingale right until the point where she got injured. So, and, you know, I... Look, listen... Mercedes Monet to me is not worth the trouble, is not worth the time, and, and, and there's nothing really of value to her. I mean, I, I mean, she's not, I mean, she's not like not that valuable. It's just the fact that I, I, I think fans expect a real high expectation of her. But now that she's going to go to AEW, let me ask you a question. I mean, where are we going to see Mercedes Monet placed in AEW? I mean, where is she going to pl be placed? Because look at, look at the list of women that are there. Soraya's there. Ruby Soho's there. Um, uh, let's see who else is there. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, it, you know, there's a, 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 there are several women at Willow Nightingale. Chris Statlander. I mean, there's a, lot, a list of women, some that I feel need to be there. 
and 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 also keep in mind, and we're um, a few women that have not been mentioned as far as AEW goes. Jamie Hader. Jamie Hader has not been seen since her injury from almost a year ago, and it's only going to be a matter of time before we see uh, we see um, Jamie Hader come back. And here and here's the thing that I see, and I see this already, and it's coming a mile away. It'll only be a matter of time before Jamie Hader comes back, and whenever you see Jamie Hader, you know there's going to be a Dr. Britt Baker DMD somewhere close. You almost see that coming a mile away. That's how it is. So, big business is going to be interesting. I mean, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's not the greatest thing in the world, but come on, the announcement. I mean, some people say, some people are saying that Tony Concha just made the announcement and say that Mercedes Monet is going to be there. And in a crazy way, I kind of agree with that because, let, let's be honest, trying to keep a secret from the wrestling fans, is better, especially the modern-day wrestling fans, is very, very hard to do, especially when they go into the dirt sheets, the websites, everything, to find out any sort of information about what they know and everything. I've always been one of those fans where I wouldn't mind the news, but I would rather keep it a secret, or I would rather be surprised instead of all this other stuff and everything else like that. So mercedes Monet coming is not a big surprise, you know? This is not going to be like when CM Punk made his debut years ago. It won't be like that. mercedes Monet to me, will bring some sort of significant attention, but I'll be very surprised of the ratings that she'll bring in big business. Now, speaking of her being there, big business-wise, there's also the possibility of Okada being over there. And to me, Okada is going to bring something very, very uh, good to the table with AEW. Um, we know that Okada's been a part of TNA Wrestling for a long time, has been a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling for many, many years, has held on to their IWGP Championship many times before. And I'm a fan of Okada. I really like his uh, style. I really like his work and everything. And I really like to see him compete in AEW. And whether he becomes the AEW World Heavyweight Champion or not, we don't know. There's only been a select few that have become the champion, and it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty interesting to see what happens if Okada does become champion. Now, a couple things we need to uh, address here. You know, since we're in the AEW deal, you know, I just mentioned big business. I just mentioned Mercedes Monet and Okada possibly showing up. Let's talk about Revolution. Let's talk about Sting's last match. And by the way, guys. This report is sponsored by Rich's Billiards of 5815 Weber, Not Your Average Heroes of Left Continues, and also sponsored by The Tony Gomez Show. You are the master of your own destiny. Follow him on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. Check out The Tony Gomez Show live as it happens on YouTube and on Facebook as well. Should be some interesting stuff. Um... Revolution is happening on March 30th, uh, 3rd, I'm sorry. Revolution will be Sting's last match, and, um, well, the lineup right now so far is about six matches, and no doubt there'll be 25 more matches added later on uh, in the next couple of weeks to come. So these are the matches that are going to take place so far, and this was announced, and I can't wait to check out this one. This one's going to be an incredible matchup. Will Ospreay going one-on-one against 
Konoshka Tekechka. This is going to be a, a very intense match. They just announced this um, this past Wednesday on Dynamite. Going to be an interesting matchup. Singles match for the Continental Crown Championship. Eddie Kingston to defend his championship against Brian Danielson. It's going to be a great matchup right there. And there's also uh, a bit of a stipulation from what I understand. If Brian Danielson loses, he has to shake Kingston's hand. That'll be interesting right there. Singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Timeless Tony Storm to go one-on-one against Deanna Perrazzo, the virtuoso. Virtuosa. Osa or Osa? Well, anyway. Um... Three-way match for the AEW World Championship. The champion Samoa Joe going up against Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland with Prince Nan in his corner. Singles match for the AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy to take on Roderick Strong with Matt Taven and Mike Bennett in his corner. And of course... God, we got to talk about this. We got we we got to talk about this right now. Okay? Now let me let me take a sip of my drink here before we talk about this. Next part that we're about to talk about. All right. Here's how it goes. Tornado tag match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. This will be the retirement match. The champions, Sting and Darby Allen, supposedly with Ric Flair in their corner, to take on the Young Bucks of, listen to this, folks, not, not Matt and not Nick Jackson. No. It's Matthew Jackson and Nicholas Jackson of the Young Bucks. Take a few moments to sink that in, if you will. All right? Just give me a moment. Dear fucking God, where the fuck do I begin? Okay, so let's place a scenario here so that way everybody will understand where I'm coming from with this. Okay, so when it was announced several months back that Sting was going to have his... Final match at Revolution. I was looking forward to it. And my thought was, I first of all, I did not want Sting to have a tag match. Zero. Not a damn thing. I didn't want I did not want Sting to have a tag match at all. You want to know why? I'm sick and tired of seeing Sting in a tag match. Seriously. Can we please have Sting in a one-on-one match with somebody? Please! Can we have that? So now we're placed in a position where now Sting is going to have a tag match. Now, homecoming, homecoming that happened, I think it was at the beginning of January, where Sting had a tag match, him and Darby Allen against the Don Callis family. Sting and Darby Allen won. Sting was going to make his announcement about who his opponent was. Now, before I mention about what's about to go down, my whole thought 
about Sting's last match. I kept coming up with concepts. I kept coming up with ideas. I kept coming up with all of this stuff in my head, right? And I was thinking, okay, let's have Sting in a match against Darby Allen. Why not have Sting's last match to be up against his former tag team partner? I know some people are going to say, that's not going to make any sense. Listen to me when I tell you. Trust me, this will make sense when I tell you. You put Sting in a match against Darby Allen in his last match in a very respectful manner. And from what I understand, JR, Tony Schiavone, are going to be the ones to call Sting's final match, which is the right call, and it takes place over in Greensboro, North Carolina. Very, very appropriate for that to happen. Now, you put Sting in a match against Darby Allen. They've been tag team partners for a while. You put these two in a match together. You give Darby the fight of a lifetime. You give Sting the fight of a lifetime. You let this match go about a good, decent 20 minutes, right? And I understand about Sting's age. But keep in mind, people at Sting's age can still fucking go. How is this any different? How is this any different? You get these two to compete. You let Darby Allen win the match. You put over on him, and then you give Sting his proper farewell, and then let Sting have everything. Look, win, lose, or draw, Sting will still be remembered. That's how it is. Now, that is what I was thinking in my head, right? You put Darby Allen over, you let Sting have his farewell, his last match, Revolution will always be remembered on March 3rd, 2024, as Sting's retirement match, and he goes off into the sunset. Good. Just like that. No problems. No problems at all. Oh, dear fucking God. No, it doesn't happen that way. Okay, so at homecoming. So Sting... And Darby Allen had just finished a match, right? And Tony Schiavone was in the ring with them, trying to have a conversation with them about who Sting's opponent will be. And then who comes up? These two moronic jackoffs that have to come to the ring dressed, dressed like they just left a miniature golf course, mustaches in hand and all, Dressed up, and I've already said, dressed up like they came off of a golf course or something like that. Never mind. It's Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, right? So they come up, and my fucking head is exploding because I'm thinking, no, no, oh, hell no. Oh, no, you cannot do this. You cannot do this at all. What so fucking ever? You're going to tell me you're going to put Sting and Darby Allen in a match against these two muckety-mucks, these two morons, these two so these two hardy boy wannabes, these two idiots that couldn't hold CM Punk's jockstrap if they could? Are you out of your fucking mind? Here's the thing. I am not the biggest fan of the Young Bucks, as you can tell. They are a great tag team. But for people to say that they are the greatest tag team of all time must be smoking the greatest weed I've ever smoked, okay? Give me a fucking break. Now, there was a couple of things that I heard. Okay, so Sting and Darby Allen taking on 
FTR. That would be much better. Because it takes place over Greensboro, North Carolina. You've got two great wrestlers. You've got a great tag team. You put them together. You put them over. That's how it's supposed to go. That will work out. It draws money. It gets people wanting to see this fucking match. Matt and Nick Jackson, you fucking kidding me? I swear to God. And this is the thing. <sighs> trying to breathe in and breathe out here, okay? Hold on. Hang tight. We're about to go far we can. I do not understand. And, and, and also, I heard, I heard this correctly. This was under the request of Sting. I kid you not. This was under the request of Sting. Sting, at what well, I don't know if it was or not. I don't know if it was official or not. That was the thing I heard, but oh dear fucking God, you gotta be out of your fucking mind if Sting is that fucking high to have these two in his final match at Revolution. You're out of your fucking mind. This is the thing. I don't want to see this match. I'm, well, unfortunately, I'm gonna see the match, but I don't want to see this match by any means necessary. Now, if it wasn't bad enough, let's go a little farther with this. Let's go a little farther with this. Let's go farther with this if we can. Because we got more going over here. <laughs> okay. So, last week, Darby Allen and Sting are going to <coughs> have a tag team title match. Against Ricky Starks. Guys, I must apologize at this time. Um, I was um, I was in the middle of trying to talk about Sting and talking about the, the next part of the whole deal. And then all of a sudden, um, I guess my phone must have went off. And then it stopped the recording right there as uh, I was going along with this. So my apologies at this time. But let me, let me continue on. Okay, so Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Defend the tag team titles. This was last week, by the way, on AEW Dynamite. They defend the tag team titles against Sting and Darby Allen. Now, Sting's sons are out at ringside, right? And, my God, I mean, they, they look exactly like Sting. You know, just with the, the hair, how tall they are, and everything else like that. And uh, it was incredible. So, the tag team titles are on the line. Darby Allen wants to be tag team champions. And my thought is, oh, dear God, please do not. And with all due respect, I wouldn't mind seeing Sting and Darby Allen become tag team champions. But I still want Billy, I, want, I still want Big Bill and Ricky Starks to remain the tag team champions. I still feel that they've got a whole lot of momentum going and they should go straight to the point. No, they go ahead. They want to go after the tag team titles. And this was the tag team tornado rules, by the way. Dear fucking God, what? Why? And, and here, here's the stupid part. Here's the stupid part. They do tag team tornado rules, right? And where's this taking place at? It wasn't in. Uh, it was not in Texas. They were in Texas last week, by the way. Oh, it's a couple of days ago, by the way. Uh, this was a. No, it was a street fight, wasn't it? What? What? The, what? Am I, hold on. Um, I need a. I need to look at this real quick because this was uh, something that I saw in AEW Icon win tag team title match. Okay. 
Okay, it doesn't say what type of match it was. Okay, that's fine. It's okay. We'll look under a book and find out what the fuck it is. Okay, anyways. So, Sting and Darby Allen win the tag team titles in whatever match it is, right? And it's fine. There's Sting's sons coming in there celebrating, and it's all cool. Everything looked fine up until this point. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a fucking sudden... Here come the Young Bucks. Here comes Nicholas and Matthew Jackson coming out in their fucking suits on, looking like they just stepped out of a mini cart. I swear to fucking God. And the, and, and the first thing, the first thing, the first thing that I said, they come out in white suits, right? White suits, white hats, white baseball bats. The first thing that came to my head was, oh my God, they just ripped off Jim Cornette. That's exactly what, because remember, remember the whole thing that happened, um, what was it? It was, uh, I think it was 86, 87, oh no, 87, where the Midnight Express were in the ring competing against somebody, and Jim Cornette was on the phone, and he was wearing a white suit, right? And then here comes lover boy Dennis Condry and, and Ravishing Randy Rhodes, which was the the original Midnight Express, from what I remember. And here comes Polly Dangerously. They're beating the shit out of the Midnight Express. And then they go ahead and bloody Jim Cornette. And he's wearing this white suit, right? He's wearing this white suit. And all this blood is coming all over on his white suit, all right? That was back in 80, I think it was 87, 88 when it took place. Now, the Young Bucks decide to beat the shit out of Darby Allin and Sting and let the blood drip in their fucking suits. And I'm like, you're ripping off Jim Cornette. What the fuck? Are you serious? These two hammonaging morons. This, and, and once again, once again, I say this. The Young Bucks are a great tag team. But they're hardy boy wannabes, okay? I don't care how many championships they've won in New Japan and all this other stuff. That's fine. They can have all the accolades they want to, but people still look at these two like little fucking kids. They're, what, what, how old are they? What, 35, 36 years old? They look like fucking kids. And they have, what, these painted on mustaches trying to be EVPs? And let's face it, they, um, I'd heard that the Young Bucks were going to come out as the executive vice presidents, the bosses of AEW, which in reality is true. Now, there are some people that really do not want the Young Bucks to take on Sting and Darby Allen. <coughs> Any other person to take on Sting and Darby Allen would be fine. I'd be okay with it. I'd watch it. I'd see it. It would be fine for me to check out. No, we have to see this fucking bullshit. We have to see this fucking crap. So they beat the shit out of Sting and Darby Allen. Bloody as hell, right? Bloody as fucking hell. And I heard from the grapevine that Sting was not too happy with how that went down. Which I can understand it, and I do not blame him. I do not blame him one single fucking bit. At all. Zero. Not a damn thing. 
And then, let's see, we we go to this past Wednesday night, right? We go to this past Wednesday night, and the Young Bucks are still wearing those stupid suits. They had a match with Top Flight. They had an interview with Tony Schiavone, right? And all that went down. They were about to tag Tony Schiavone. Oh, God. what What's so new about that? And then here comes Darby Allen. Darby Allen came out, and then he said what he said. Now, I'm going to go ahead and record this part for you, so that way you'll get an idea about exactly what Darby Allen said to the Young Bucks to get an idea of how this rolls. This took place this past Wednesday night on Dynamite. Shut the music! Young Bucks, remind everybody! Remind everybody what was the original mission statement of AEW. What was the original mission statement of AEW? It was to change the world. You know, listen, you know when I was homeless and AEW first started, I begged you guys for a job. And you saw nothing in me, yet I had to sit by and watch all your shit friends get hired. You little California crew. And thank God, thank God at the time there was an EVP here with a sense of brains. And I'm not talking about Kenny Omega. You know, you did a a little interview last year why you resigned to AEW. And what did you say in that interview, huh? Tell us. I remind us. This is, you guys said that you resigned because the travel schedule was light, the money was good. It was no longer about changing the world, the original mission statement was dead. I thought this was all elite wrestling, but it looks like this is uh, all friendship wrestling. You know why? Think, Think about the very first episode of Dynamite. Darby Allen wasn't on it, you know who was? Brandon Collar, what the? you guys got into at homeschool, but we're talking about Sting's final match. That's what this is about, right? You guys want to be Sting's final match. I don't think you guys understand what you guys got yourselves into. We're talking about a man that has nothing left to lose. Young Bucks, Darby Allen and Sting. The AEW Tag Championship. It's showtime. Well, the match has been made for Revolution Sunday, March 3rd. Sting's last match. And he and Darby Allen for the AEW World Tag Team. It's so funny how, you know, everything that Darby Allen had said, I think I heard Dave Meltzer mention that it was pitiful and, oh, they never mentioned anything about the white jackets. And uh, you'll hear that. You'll hear that later on, on this episode of the Maven Talk podcast. Um, Everything that Darby Allen said, unfortunately, is true. And listen. While we can go ahead and draw the lines of reality and fantasy when it comes to professional wrestling, 
everything that, that is happening with the Young Bucks. Let, let's face it. If the Young Bucks, and, and this is pretty much all a setup, just by what I'm looking at and how this is being portrayed. Sting and Darby Allen against the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. And if they beat Sting in his last match and walk away with the tag team titles... I mean, they're not gonna get. They're not gonna get. They're not. They're not gonna get um, real heat, or go away heat, or nuclear heat. They want to beat. They want to. Basically, I want to see somebody jump off the rail, and basically shoot the shit out of the young bucks. That's how bad it will be. Well, I don't think they will actually do that, but that's how bad I actually think it will be. Because let's face it, nobody wants to see the Young Bucks beat Sting and Darby Allin. Sting should win, hands down. I personally feel it should be Sting and Darby Allin because that would make a whole lot more sense. But Sting and Darby Allin against the Young Bucks for the tag team titles is way too obvious. It's way, way, way too obvious. But however this shit goes, that's what's going to happen. AEW Revolution, Sting's last match, Sunday, March 3rd, taking place. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how this goes and see how everything transpires. Of course, we talked about big business. That's going to happen on March 13th, which I'm looking forward to seeing that. There's going to be a lot of other things. We know that Samoa Joe is going to be defending his championship against Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. That's going to be an interesting match to check out at AEW Revolution. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how everything goes down when it comes to AEW, everything that goes down when it comes to the stars. We're going to see how all this transpires in the next couple of weeks leading in to AEW Revolution. AEW Revolution. I'm trying to get this out. AEW Revolution Sting's last match on Sunday, March 3rd. Should be interesting. Check out the pay-per-view. It's going to be live. It's going to happen. Can't wait to see it. Live over at the Greensboro Coliseum. It's going to be an incredible night to check out. You know, that's the main stuff there. But, uh, um, you know, again, like uh, uh, the the Rampage and Collision were both the biggest numbers of the year. So uh, two big numbers coming off of that disappointing number last week. So perhaps, um, and I actually want to make this point now, too, is... I thought that Darby Allen interview was so counterproductive. I, I I couldn't believe it. They ended that show last week with a hot angle, and he comes back, and his blood is all over these guys' jackets. Never brings it up. They beat up Sting's sons with a baseball bat. Never brings it up. They beat up Sting and him with a baseball bat. Bloodied him up. Never brings it up. And start talking about this... Um, you know, basically, his interview was to get over Cody Rhodes, a star, the biggest star in WWE, or the biggest baby. We didn't get a Cody chant on AEW. But, but how could you not? Yeah. I mean, that interview was all about, oh, you guys, you know, it's like, it was so Russo, so Russo, you know what I mean? Like, just, um, and even using, like, even using the Cornette vernacular, you know, like, trying to make the Cornette stuff. It's like, they're trying to make Cornette into the baby face. When all he's done is shit on that product, which is, I mean, it's great for Cornette, but I mean, it's like, what the hell are you doing with this 
oh, you know, all friends wrestling. You know, it's like, what's that supposed to mean? And going like, you know, you guys didn't want me. You wanted Brandon Cutler, your buddy. And it was a different EVP that brought me in. And it's not Kenny Omega. So they all start chanting Cody. What? It's like you. Why did? Why did they even? Why did they even shoot that angle? Tell me. Why did they shoot the angle if you're going to ignore it next week? They made no, no mention of it in the whole interview. Well, we uh, did get that match made official for the pay per view, and it was just essentially, you know, they said. Uh, uh, well, we'll get to that because it's actually the whole thing involving the match. They interview the young bucks. Matt says we're undefeated this year. Dick that Juno. should make us the top unbeatable tag team in AEW. Well, I mean, but but, but that's also tongue in cheek. I mean, he the whole said, idea they want they want they beat top flight and they want to exactly. squash. But that's 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 for heel heat. But he yeah. said we have reason to believe that after beating a team of the quality of these guys, it is safe to assume we should be the number one contenders. And then they put a graphic on the screen: they are the number one contenders after one win titles. Has nobody has no tag team won any matches this year? Well, the point is they they made a mockery of the rankings here in this segment. And then Tony says, well, you know, Sting's not here because of that heinous attack. And Matthew said, hold on a second. Saying that attack was heinous is a breach of contract. They fine him $1,000. Nick's shoulder checks him and Tony falls down. Matt says, listen, hold on a second. We don't need to, we don't need to have any violence. They give the hand to help him up. But as he gets to his knees, they stop. They're about to give him the EVP trigger. And that's when Darby's music hits. And he says, The original mission statement of AEW is to change the world. When I was homeless, I begged you guys for a job. You guys saw nothing in me. While well, you uh, got jobs for your shit California crew, they said. Or he says, Thank God we had an EVP with some brains. And I'm not talking about Kenny Omega. And of course, that's when the people start chanting for Cody. And Darby what, said, what, "Why did they even do the angle last week?" You did an interview. They got they got the freaking Darby Allen blood all over their own ring outfit to add to the heat, and Darby never brings it up. You said the travel was light, the money was good. That's not changing the world. This mission statement is dead. It's all friendship wrestling. I wasn't even on the first show, but Brandon Cutler was, and I know you guys want this to be Sting's final match. Well, you don't know what you've gotten yourself into. Sting as a guy who has nothing more to lose. So it's showtime. So it's on. That's well, how they got the match. Well, we know it's on. They worked the rankings, and then that, that's it's the match they gave them the match. It's the match that we've known has been on for weeks. That's not that's not the issue. It's like they did such a great angle, and what a pitiful follow up. Oh God, you know, like, um, and I can see why Sting's not. You know, Sting's not. You know, Sting will be back. Whatever and. You know, what you did to his son, his son's sons. It's like, I don't know. I, I left that show last week going like, what a great oh, angle. Man, those sons are big guys. They'll be all right. Especially why'd the do, one. Why'd they do it? Renee wants to know, what's next for the Bang Bang Scissor Gang? I was like, everything. They've done absolutely nothing together. And uh, they're going to do a 12-man tag sometime. They some did point. say, yeah, you know what we should probably do is maybe wrestle. So they are having a 12-man tag on Rampage this coming Friday. Okay, so this was the match. So they hit Willow Nightingale's music for this match, and she comes out, and she's a huge baby face. Place going nuts for Willow. Then Sky Blue comes out, and she's a heel. Mm -hmm. And then they start wrestling, 
And Sky goes for the code blue. Oh, it was a finish. That she finish was so it. ridiculous. And Stokely takes the referee. And yeah. the fans start booing because the ref isn't counting Willow getting pinned. Yeah. I was like, what? So, you know. Well, that was that was a total heel finish. Then Willow hits the doctor bomb for the pin. And uh, all I know is I don't know about a heel manager managing baby faces. I don't know how this helps the baby faces because I can tell you one thing: it well, did maybe, not help Willow Nightingale in this match. Maybe, 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 maybe she got gonna, booed. Maybe they're going to end up as heels. Maybe I mean, it's a way maybe. to turn them all heels. Why it, in the fuck would you turn Willow Nightingale heel? Oh, I would. I would agree with that. God, I know she's such, a, she's such a natural baby face. And and the thing is, Sky Blue just turned heel. Yes. So we'll have to wait and have, see how this plays out, but. It was definitely a heel finish. There's no doubt about that. And we had Orange Cassidy and Matt Taven for the international title, Last Man Standing. This match was great. It did feel rushed. They started at the 51-minute mark, and they did have an overrun. So uh, mean, They went 13 and a half minutes. Although for a Texas death match, you know... That's I a mean, pretty rushed Texas death match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little... It's, it's optimum would be a little bit longer, but they did the best they could. I mean, Matt Taven was... I you know he was he was fantastic in this match. Dude, they're both awesome. They're bleeding like yeah. crazy. I mean, they're bleeding. Orange Cassie is just covered in blood, and uh, by the end of the match, Matt Taven's covered in blood as well. And uh, they set up a table outside. Taven did the Undertaker dive over the top, and he just totally. I mean, this table exploded when he went through it. And they got the thumbtacks out. They're taking bumps into the thumbtacks. Mike Bennett runs down. Broke a Valentine's Day box over Orange's head. And then he starts throwing chairs in the ring. Then Trent comes down with a pipe. And he takes out Bennett. Taven uh, got taken out as well. And then Orange hit the punch on Taven. Gave him the beach break under the chair and the tacks. And uh, Taven kicked out. He tears the pockets out of Orange's uh, pants. Orange wraps the chain around his fist. Punches Taven. And then Roddy hits the ring. He goes after Orange. But Trent takes the bullet. And then Taven can't answer the count, so Orange retains the title in a Texas death match. Hell of a well, event. That, this wasn't a title match. Oh, not a title. It wasn't a title match? No. Orange always defends the title. Yeah, this wasn't a title match. No, the title match is with Broderick in, uh, on the pay-per-view. I, th I think they were still saying that Orange was going to be defending the title every week. I thought that was the, the they have said they, they have said that, but this was, this was never mentioned to be a title match. It was only a Texas death match. Well, what was the point of that? Just put the title on the line if Guy's going to win. I'm not going to argue that. I agree with you. I don't know why the title make wasn't. It, make it seem more important. Did, yep. Didn't matter. It's a hell of a match, though. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I do think the Moxley match was better. Before we go ahead and play some music and before we get into some WWE, I want to I kind of retaliate about what Dave Meltzer had just said there about how how the promo was pitiful and making it seem like, oh, well, it wasn't about staying. It wasn't about this. My, my, my thought was this, what Darby Allen said. <clears throat> there was some truth to the matter, right? A lot of truth to the matter. And I know that Dave Meltzer does not want to go ahead and dispute that because he is friends with the Young Bucks. Let's get that out of the way. We know he is. He'll do whatever he can to defend the Young Bucks in any way that he possibly can. While someone like myself and even a Jim Cornette, who, by the way, Jim Cornette does not give a rat's ass, 
about the Young Bucks in any fucking way possible. Zero. Not a damn thing. Okay? And while Jim Cornette is out telling the truth and basically mentioning about what's going on and how the Young Bucks are really are in wrestling, Dave Meltzer is the one that's always defending him, thinking that this is an angle. Uh, uh, and what, what was the, what was the thing that he said? Oh, oh well, Jim Cornette. Um, they made Jim Cornette like a babyface. How? How? I mean, look. In my opinion, Jim Cornette is someone that tells the truth, and someone that doesn't have to lie to entertain anybody. And also, more importantly, I mean, this has been going on for a long, long time, and Dave Meltzer is still trying. To defend the actions of the Young Bucks. Listen, I don't give a rat's ass about... I mean, and and we've all known about this for a long time. Dave Meltzer has always been one-sided when it comes to wrestling. While people like myself look at great tag teams that are far better than the Young Bucks, like FTR and the Usos and all that other good stuff, he looks to the Young Bucks because they're a better tag team. In his mind. In my mind, no. So you can say that it's a pitiful comment. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. In my mind, it was brilliant. It was great. Darby Allen had told the fucking truth. Okay? And yes, he mentioned Cody Rhodes' name in AEW. And the fans were chanting for Cody. Because believe it or not, they actually care about Cody more than the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega combined. That's the fucking truth, and if Dave Meltzer can't handle it, my apologies. But unfortunately, you don't have a clue. You may be a respected journalist, but you ain't got a fucking clue.
This episode of the Main Event Talk podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes, the bar among bars and the billiards among billiards. And also sponsored by the Tony Gomez Show. You are the master of your own destiny. Check out the Tony Gomez Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. Subscribe to the Tony Gomez Show wherever you go and listen to the Pit Podcaster himself wherever you go. If you guys have any questions in regards to the show, all you have to do is go to my email address at the main event 1977 at gmail.com. That's the main event 1977 at gmail.com. Any suggestions in regards to the show, anything in regards to anything about professional wrestling or music or anything that you have in mind, all you got to do is go to the email address at the main event 1977 at gmail.com and I will be glad to mention it on the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Okay, guys, we're almost at the conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff we got to talk about as far as the WWE goes at this point. I know that there's uh, probably a bit more that we got to talk about, but I'm going to save that for the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast while we get to it. Now, before we talk about the press conference, and uh, my apologies, before we get to the press conference at hand here and everything else like that, let's talk about Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber, as you know, is taking place live February 24th over live over in Australia. <clears throat> I believe it's going to take place. Let's see. Where is it at exactly? Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's going to take place February 4th, 2024. And I'm trying to read this correctly here. It says here at uh, Birmingham, uh, Burnwood, Bush, Bushwood. Oh, sorry. Uh, Burnwood, Western Australia. Can I can I open that a little bit? Can I? There we go. Much better. Uh, Burnswood, Western Australia, at the Optus uh, Stadium, right? And it's supposed to take place at Birth State. Or Birth Arena, whatever that place is called. <coughs> Let me read this here. Elimination Chamber is a professional wrestling first produced by American promotion WWE in 2010. It was held a uh, year since uh, 2016 in February concept. The event will take place, let's see, either uh, neither championships or this, la da da. It's in Optus Stadium in Pearl, Perth, Western Australia. That's where the event is taking place, like that. So, <clears throat> can't wait to check out this event. It's going to be. Um, <coughs> it's going to be on Saturday. But it's going to actually happen somewhere around the time, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere between... I heard 5 o'clock in the morning. I heard 6 o'clock in the morning. And it's on a Saturday, so I'll be able to get up as early as I can to check out this event. So it's going to be 
Very interesting to check out this event for what it is. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But so far, there's about four matches that are going to take place at the Elimination Chamber event. And we're going to talk about the two matches here that are going to happen. Uh, Elimination Chamber match for the women. So far, we have Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and Liv Morgan that have qualified. Three more names will be added in the next few days. You'll hear about those names and everything, but there were some rumors that I was hearing, and I don't want to talk about those rumors just yet, but we'll talk about it further down on the next episode of the Main Talk Podcast. The men's elimination chamber consists of Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, and most recently, L.A. Knight. Yeah! <clears throat> and we got two more qualifying matches to take place for an opportunity to qualify in the elimination chamber to take on... The World Heavyweight Champion, which is Seth Freakin' Rollins at WrestleMania 40. And let's see here. Nia Jax will go one-on-one against Rhea Ripley for the Women's World Championship. The Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Damian Priest will be defending their championship against British Strong Style of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Now, those are the matches that are going to be taking place at Elimination Chamber that will happen on Saturday, February the 24th. Going to be <clears throat> going to be extremely interesting to check that out. I am going to actually be releasing the episode, this episode anyway. I'm going to say, uh, let's see, next week. Let's see, if today is the 17th and next week is going to be the event, then I'm going to have to release the episode probably one day if uh, I'm going to probably release it on the 23rd on Friday. I am going to be watching the TNA No Surrender event as it takes place and everything. It's going to happen at the same time as uh, SmackDown and Rampage and all that stuff, of course. But you know how that stuff goes. But that episode will be released on March... On, I'm sorry, on February 24th or 23rd. You know, just to give you guys a heads up and everything. Just to see how all that turns out and much, much more. Okay, so, so we've talked. Let's see, we've talked about some of the matches that have taken place at Elimination Chamber. Let's talk about something that's about to go down, and that is the press conference. Now, just to kind of give you the scene here, just to give you an idea of how all this came about. We know that Cody had won the 2024 Men's Royal Rumble. And then Seth Rollins was left with a decision to make. Uh, well, Cody Rhodes was left with a decision to make. Up until Seth Rollins came in and said what he said and wanted to make a decision. And then Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes had went face-to-face with each other on SmackDown until The Rock came in and basically handing his championship over. Well, not, well, it looked that way, but basically handing his championship match over to to The Rock, and The Rock had a face-to-face encounter with Roman Reigns, and when the video was shown on YouTube, it had almost 4 million people watching that event, but the interesting part was the dislikes. There were more dislikes on this video than there were likes of that same video. Now, I think I remember something about they were trying to update the video again. 
but they got the same results. They they eliminated Cody for a bit. They had The Rock. They had Roman Reigns face-to-face, yada, yada, yada. We're still getting the same results. Now, there has been this crazy trend that's been happening. This crazy trend that was going on called We Want Cody. Okay, now we talked about this on my Main Event Talk podcast. We mentioned it, and now we got a follow-up and everything else like that. And it's all about the press conference. It's all about what took place and everything. So now we're going to get into it. Let's get into the press conference, and let's start with Triple H, who came out at the very beginning to start off the entire WrestleMania press conference. In 1985, in a sold-out Madison Square Garden, a tag team match took place between Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and his partner, Rowdy Roddy Piper. They would take on the team of Mr. T and the immortal Hulk Hogan. That night was so big, anybody that was anybody had to be there. It drew pop culture icons and celebrities from all over the the globe. Muhammad Ali was a special guest referee. Cindy Lauper was there. Liberace was there. The Rockettes, everybody was there. And it was named WrestleMania. WrestleMania would launch WWE from a small regional promotion to a global juggernaut that you see today selling out stadiums all over the globe. In those 40 years since then, a lot would change. WWE would see the cable television boom. It would see closed-circuit television. It would pioneer the pay-per-view industry. It would then launch and be the first mover in the streaming services of direct-to-consumer content with the WWE Network. And just recently, it would announce a deal with Netflix for over $5 billion. Along the way, it would create global superstars, icons known the world over, like Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, like Andre the Giant and Ric Flair, like Bret Hart and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, The Undertaker, Mick Foley, Batista, John Cena, the list goes on and on. Those people would catapult WWE to where it is today. But on April 6th and April 7th in Philadelphia, we're going to take it to a whole new level. It is a new time. 
It is a new era. And it is an all new WWE. And I promise you this. You ain't seen nothing yet. So Las Vegas. Because right now, we start the road to WrestleMania 40. Okay, so there were a lot of other things that happened in that press conference. Uh, Bianca Belair had showed up. Rhea Ripley had showed up, had a little face-to-face encounter with Becky Lynch. And then, of course, um, uh, the purpose of the WrestleMania press conference was what we all wanted to know. Cody's decision, the appearance of Roman Reigns, the appearance of Seth Rollins, the appearance of, of course, the great one, The Rock. Now, uh, I had a chance to record this whole thing that happened at the press conference. Uh, I was watching this as it happens. Uh, I was uh, seeing Seth Rollins come out, and he said what he said, coming out, wearing his green suit and everything, doing what he does. And then after that came out the tribal chief, the head of the table. This is when I started the recording right here, once the tribal chief showed up. So what we're going to do right now, guys, is we're going to get right to it in its entirety right here. You're going to see, you're going to hear Roman Reigns talk. You're going to hear The Rock talk. You're going to hear Cody Rhodes talk. You're going to hear how all this went down. Now, keep in mind, even though you're listening to this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast today, this recording took place, I believe it was February 6th, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. Yeah, February 8th was when the press conference took place. I saw it. I was watching it right before my eyes. You're going to hear me doing some clapping and everything else like that and uh, getting into a lot of stuff. And it was uh, one of the most incredible press conferences I ever seen in my life. And this was incredible. You hear Triple, you heard Triple H right there. And then, of course, like I said, we talked about uh, the whole thing with uh, uh, Bianca Belair showing up, uh, Rhea Ripley showing up over there, of course, Becky Lynch. And then I talked about Seth Rollins, and then we're about to get into Roman Reigns. So, with that being said, let's get into it. Right here, this is when Roman Reigns is coming out, and he's about to... You'll hear the crowd chanting Tribal Chief and everything else like that, and you know where this goes. You're going to hear this all the way down to the very end of the press conference. Trust me, this was, this was a press conference that I would love to hear, love to see again if I could. And then after this is over, I'm going to give you my final thoughts on the press conference that took place last week.
acknowledge me. Hey guys, he showed up for work once. I love to see it. Good to see you, big brother. And he showed up to work in his white shoes. <laughs> anyway, don't be mad, don't be mad. I can just run matter. circles Let's around talk you. talk about somebody who matters right now. Let's talk about Cody Rhodes. The man who can't make his own choice, huh? Mr. Hesitation. Here's a life lesson, kids. If you hesitate, your moment's gonna move on. And that's what's happened to Cody Rhodes. It's no longer his decision. It's now your tribal chief's decision. That's exactly how it works, thank you. So tonight, I choose who faces me in the main event of WrestleMania. Get this bum out of here, will you? Just get this bum out of here already, huh? I choose
Let The Rock ask you a question. Do you think that Roman Reigns is gonna beat The Rock at WrestleMania? the tribal chief at Wrestlemania. The Rock loves the passion. So, to members of the press, welcome, glad you're here. To the WWE Universe. To the WWE Universe, welcome. To everyone watching around the world, welcome. And certainly, to the millions of The Rocks fans, welcome. And on top of all that, members of the press, world watching, I introduce you to the Cody Crybabies. show you all and everyone around the world I'm gonna show you something right now 
that is very important. It's very cool. And I think you're going to like it a lot. But regardless whether you like it or you don't like it, you love it, you hate it, one thing, for damn sure, you are going to respect it. Take a look. When you look at this incredible family tree, and I want you to take a look at the very top of the tree. At the top of that tree, The Rock's grandfather and Roman's grandfather made a blood oath in that our family in Samoan said, Ainga, Ainga forever. And if you can't see that, if you can't see the fact that this is proof that there is only one dominant and powerful royal family in professional wrestling, if you can't see that, and if you think that the Rock and Roman Reigns isn't the biggest main event in the history of Wrestlemania, then, then, save your booze, save your booze, then, if that's what you think, then in simple rock speak, it doesn't matter what you think. WrestleMania 40, Philadelphia, The Rock and Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion versus the People's Champion. Whether you like it or you don't like it, the People's Champion in the biggest main event in the history of professional wrestling, bound by blood. Hold on, hold on. This, this right here is bold. Roman, you're out here 
calling the shots, dictating WrestleMania 40. And as the tribal chief, as the undisputed champion, you have a lot of stroke. But it is not your right, it is not your distinction to determine the main event. It is mine! I won the Royal Rumble! And Rock, we had a wonderful conversation. I had many conversations. I have made my decision. At WrestleMania 40, in the main event, I choose you, Roman Reigns. or something, huh? This is a done deal. You're old news. Go over there with the number twos. The number two table will have you now. Loser bracket. Right there in the dummy in green. Just go. Leave. You're embarrassing yourself now. Last year was your year. That was your moment. You were only a chapter in my book. Nobody cares about your story. Nobody cares about you finishing the story. You're embarrassing your entire family now. You, just understand this, you're irrelevant, just like your dad. Fa here you are, here you are talking about family. Is that what the bloodline is? Let me ask you a question. How's Jay? It's not a family. You're a meal ticket. And they are nothing but lackeys, but yes men, they're goons. And what is this match all about right here? Who sits at the head of the table? What does it matter when neither of you have been doing any of the cooking for two years? Earlier we had that family tree up there. And you've invoked my father before, so let me go ahead and do the same. If your grandfather was here, if the high chief, his grandfather, was here, they'd be ashamed of you. clear to you. When you talk about his family, you're talking about my family. When you're talking about his ancestors, you're talking about my ancestors. And when you're talking about his blood, 
You're talking about my blood. So now we have a problem. a bombshell moment here tonight. Cody Rhodes invoking what he earned at the Royal Rumble to choose Roman Reigns to meet Reigns at WrestleMania for the Undisputed Championship. I want to start first with CM Punk, the master of the pipe bomb. What did you think about this moment? Man, it's like Valentine's Day. I choose you, I choose you. Uh, listen, Cody's way too diplomatic. Somebody slaps you, you gotta bust him right back in the mouth. That's what I would have done. I want to see Cody punch Rock right in the face. Who wants to see Cody punch Rock in the face? Yeah. And, and, yeah I feel like it needs to happen. Listen, I, like I said, Rock did not throw me over the top rope in the Royal Rumble. Cody won the Royal Rumble. It is his shot to call. That's where I stand. Biggie, your thoughts? Man, that's explosive, man. That's, 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 uh, I, I don't know what we're building. Are we, we looking at it? It looks like a, a tag. I, I, I love that. I don't know where this is going. I have no idea. And we have, what, two months until WrestleMania. So my eyes will be peeled. It's, uh, it's a lot to digest right there. And so many questions. I mean, what happens to the World Heavyweight Championship and Seth Rollins? Pat, you've been a big supporter of The Rock throughout all this. Your uh, thoughts on what happened tonight? Well, The Rock just went to bat for his entire family, his entire bloodline, got offended, smacked Cody right in the mouth. I mean, smacked him right in the mouth. And then Seth Rollins almost came to the defense of Cody to The Rock. And then on the way out, I think we overheard Rock saying, we'll do whatever the hell we want here. It's almost like a little flexing from the bloodline for everything they've earned. The Rock, obviously, on Mount Rushmore. You're talking about Roman Reigns. This guy has his own Mount Rushmore for being the greatest of all time. And they just wanted to remind the world, it seemed like, there a little bit. But We Want Cody has been trending worldwide for uh, a week. Here too, here. And he finally came out here, and he did what he earned the right to do, and that was pick who he wants to face at WrestleMania. So if it's Cody and Roman at WrestleMania... CM Punk, can Cody finally finish the story? I think he can, but he's going to have to start swinging back. You know, you just can't let a man slap you in the face and get away with it. I'd, I'd be ripping out eyeballs. I'd be punching people, even if I had one arm. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, <laughs> talk about the, the odds being stacked against you. Rock is not only the biggest star on the planet, but he's also a member of the board. He's also kind of your boss. He's also, as we know, he has his ties with Nick Khan. He's got a lot. He's got a lot up against him, man. Good luck to, to Cody. All very valid, but also he's got ties to the bloodline now too. It seems like you know Roman and Rock were standing right next to each other. When you talk about him, you're talking about me. Are they about to just? 
I mean, what the hell are they thinking about doing to the entire WWE right now together? Well, my question is now, what happens to Seth Rollins? He's the world heavyweight champion. He's been disrespected for a number of weeks now. They're calling it the B team, the secondary title. Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. Seth went on national television. He said he hated my gut, so I have no love loss for him. He's another guy. I think he's got to stop with the, the stylist, and he's got to take his balls out of his purse, and he's got to punch somebody in the mouth, period. That's what Seth's got to do. Big E, again, we talked about this on the, the, the pre-show before all this happened. I mean, you worked hard just like Cody Rhodes to finally win the WWE Championship. Cody has to finish the story. This is massive pressure on Cody now at WrestleMania. There's not going to be a third chance. No, no, this is it, man. This is it, man. And I, I got chills when Cody was cutting that promo because I think back to where he was when he left the company. I think about him languishing in the mid-card to have left, to come back, to have the fans behind him, to have this much support, this much love, to have the fire in his belly. Like, this is the time. It's right now. It's not next year. It's not SummerSlam. You got to do it now. So step on the gas and make sure it's done. So, Pat, let's hey, that's, that's what we learned here, right? Yeah. Cody Roman. Cody pick Roman. It's Cody Roman for the Undisputed Championship at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins still up in the air. Where does The Rock stand? And this was a massive main event, right? Rock, Roman Reigns. We talked about it on the kickoff show. What happens to that? <laughs> I don't know what's official now. I, after what I just saw, I have no idea. So you're saying Cody and Roman is the match? Well, yeah, Cody, Cody, Cody chose. Cody chose Roman Reigns. He had that chance to choose who he wanted from winning the Royal Rumble match. He said it's Roman and Cody for the undisputed championship at WrestleMania. That makes a really good point, though. Rock is on the board. Well, yeah. so even I mean, he, so, so Cody just got slapped by his boss. His boss put his hands on him. I'm throwing hands. Yeah, but, but we, <laughs> I'm whipping everybody's ass. I don't care who it is. Here's the thing, though. We have two nights. So, I mean, do we see both these matches at WrestleMania? Who knows? We could. I mean, who knows what happens? Where does Seth Rollins figure into all this? Who does he defend the championship against? I mean, it's so up in the air. Yeah, and the fact that, I don't know if you looked around here in T-Mobile Arena, but this was announced just a few days ago. With a lot going on in Las Vegas. A few thousand people came in here to let the world know how much they support Cody finishing his story and then The Rock cuts a promo on some, like this was the perfect situation, like this was the perfect presser I think going into kickoff, but of I still don't know what the hell happened. I still don't know what the hell happened. Well, you better figure it out because we got to talk about it on Monday at Raw in a couple of nights. Rock smacked Cody Rhodes in the mouth. Seth Rollins then got chewed out by The Rock and Roman Reigns. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our uh, broadcast colleague Jackie Redman is standing by. Thank you, Cole. Paul, a lot just transpired. Can we get some sort of comment on, on what the heck is going on here? Um, look... And moments like this are difficult, right? Everybody sort of goes into business for themselves. Um, hard to say what just went on right there. A lot of a lot of tension right now. A lot of egos. A lot of. Um, you got to fix it. Fix it. Have them talk shit about our family again, and that's what happens. It's out of line. You know it. It's not out of line. How, mu how much? Have them talk shit. If you don't fix it, we will. Have them family again. You're lucky you are too. Well, so, so how do you fix this? You can't fix it. Cody made his choice. I don't know how you do this. No, you fix. this is how you fix it. Personal issues can be solved when men fight. 
Let him fight. Let him if fight. he's mad, Let if he's fight. mad, they said something about his family. Punch him in the teeth. If Cody's pissed off, he got his hands put on him. Punch him in the teeth. That's how you solve things. It's pro wrestling, for God's sake. Let's go. Hey, hey I'm second that. This is what we do. This is what we do. We build conflict, and uh, yeah, I want to see. I want to see some violence too. So, listen, yeah. listen. Since I came back, there's a lot of man buns in the WWE, and a lot, of, a lot of them aren't attached to men. If you follow my drift, all right? Hey, Punch people in the face. Let them fight. You and I can talk about it, right? Bingo. Can't wait to talk about it. When was the last time we seen Rock like that? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, is that the way the WWE's headed? I love that promo. Thank you to Pat McAfee. Thank you to Big E. Thank you to CM Punk. I'm Michael Cole. We'll see you Monday night on Raw, but can you believe WrestleMania 40? Just 58 days away! The press conference was incredible. I could not believe what I was watching. And holy shit, this, is, this, this was just a press conference, though. That took place in everything, and I was loving every minute of it. This is pretty much getting hype for everything that's about to go down at WrestleMania uh, WrestleMania 40. Now, there was one thing that I do, did want to talk about. Now, before we talk about my final thoughts and everything, there is one thing that I wanted to mention. Um, I think you just heard it right there uh, about The Rock fix about the Rock telling Triple H to fix this. And Triple H somewhat did fix the problem, but he kind of added a little bit of fuel to the fire. And this took place... Right after the press conference, this took place on Friday Night SmackDown, where Triple H addressed the press conference and drip, uh, you know, addressed what The Rock said and the whole nine yards. This was some interesting comments that that the game had to say. Last night in Las Vegas, it was an incredible kickoff event to get us started on that road to the grandest stage of them all. But the fact is, somewhere along the way last night, we took a hard left turn, and now that road is on fire. But I can tell you this, it feels really good. I wanted to clear up a couple of things from last night, because I felt like coming out of Las Vegas, as we were flying over here, felt like there was some confusion in the air. Maybe some people don't know their role. So I wanted to come out here and, I don't know, just set the record straight because I felt like there are people that went out there and tried to assert their authority when they don't really have any. Because here's the thing, I really don't care where you sit. There is one thing that is abundantly clear here whether people like them or they don't like them, the answers, the answers come from one place and one place only, and right now, you are looking at him. So let me just say this, in the main event of WrestleMania 40, the biggest WrestleMania of all time, Roman Reigns, will defend his undisputed WWE Championship in the main event against Cody Rhodes.
there are some people back there There are some people back there that decision will disappoint them, that maybe they won't like that decision. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter if you don't like that decision. So with that said, welcome to the road to WrestleMania. Well, Triple H had a lot to say there, and it was a response. I mean, you heard the crowd, you know, getting right into it, and it was just... (laughs) Holy shit. You couldn't believe what you were hearing and everything else like that. It was just that crazy. It was that intense. You couldn't believe how this went down, but it is. So, as this recording is taking place... now. The Rock and Roman Reigns are scheduled to appear on Friday Night SmackDown. Now, this episode is being released on Saturday, February 17th, and the 16th will be Friday Night SmackDown, which will show what will take place between The Rock and Roman Reigns, both of them lying side by side and everything else like that. So you'll hear that on the next episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. I'm going to get into this a little bit more as we go along here. Now, let me give you the conclusion. <sighs> let me give you a somewhat of a, of a WrestleMania report about what I think of the press conference. Let me get to this drink here real quick. Okay. So, my thought on this whole matter is this. From the moment I found out about the press conference, I was curious about how this was going to go. Now, let me kind of give you, let me kind of give you the mind of the wrestling, of the mind of the main event, if you will, instead of the typical wrestling fan because they wouldn't have a clue about what they're trying to figure out. Now, how I'm looking at this is this. You see Roman Reigns, you see Seth Rollins, two world champions right there. And then the rock appears before everybody and then oh by the way I didn't I didn't I forgot to mention I think you heard it a moment ago uh, Pat McAfee had also mentioned about the whole thing with um, the whole thing about the Cody crybabies right that the rock said on the Pat McAfee show That was a bit of an indication right there It was a bit of an indication about where the rock is going And I think The Rock had made his decision, too, about where all this was going to go. Now, I have no doubt that The Rock versus Roman Reigns would be a match to look into. But nobody wants to see the match. Nobody has. Nobody will. But maybe sometime in the future, maybe we will give a damn about the matchup. But for now... More people are interested in Cody Rhodes. More people are interested in seeing the story get finished. And more people are interested in seeing Cody Rhodes taking on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. 
And I think when The Rock had walked in and basically got a, uh, got a clear, he was basically feeling the room, you know? And you could almost tell that The Rock was feeling the room, was feeling exactly what the audience was, was feeling. They, you know, the, the Rock came out and, you know, brought in the whole thing about, was trying to push for Roman versus The Rock. That he wanted that to happen so much, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen and it wasn't going to happen. And I believe The Rock had made the decision right then and there to not have that match happen. When you look at The Rock's demeanor, when you look at the look in his eyes, when you look at what he was basically feeling as far as the room goes, he knew, he knew that it wasn't going to work. Now, this is not Vince McMahon, where he comes out and basically wants to push. Like, if, if, if he was still around, I guarantee you he would push for Roman versus The Rock because he sees that as the marquee match, the money match, the money match that everybody wants to see in Vince McMahon's world. In this world, the reality, you know, Vince McMahon has always gone with the, the, the term perception is reality. And I, I don't feel that anymore now. Because now, the reality is the fans do not want to see this match at all. They want Cody to finish his story. Cody won the Royal Rumble. It is his right to go after the WWE Universal Champion. That's what's going to go down, and that's what's going to happen. Now, with Vince McMahon no longer around and Triple H running the show, it gives The Rock an idea of how things will be, of how things will go. And I think The Rock understands business-wise Okay, so we're not going to get The Rock. We're not going to get Roman Reigns. That's not going to happen. So let's go ahead and make Cody versus Roman Reigns happen at WrestleMania. But let's make it even more interesting. Now, there was a trailer that happened uh, around Sunday. Uh, right before the Super Bowl took place. Right, I, I think during the Super Bowl to be exact. Uh, there was this uh, commercial, this teaser, this trailer, if you will, that showed up that had The Rock side-by-side side with Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes side-by-side side with Seth Rollins looking face-to-face -face into Roman Reigns and The Rock. Basically teasing everybody that we could see a tag match at WrestleMania. Now, I'll get to that in a moment. But the way The Rock was acting, the, ray, the way The Rock was, everyone is expecting this to be Hollywood heel rock. No, this is not Hollywood heel. This is not even, I mean, rock is Hollywood, certainly no question about that. But also, this is a different heel rock. This is a more of a serious rock. This is an individual that's, that's the CEO or <coughs> he is the heart of the board over TKO, right? The idea of The Rock placing himself in a match is something that he's been pushing for. Now, I have no doubt that The Rock wants to have Roman Reigns as his opponent at WrestleMania. 
But now that's not going to happen. Because Cody's got the shot. Now The Rock wants in at WrestleMania. And from the moment he slapped Cody Rhodes in the face. Now, in hindsight, a lot of people were expecting The Rock and Seth Rollins to take on Roman Reigns and The Rock at Elimination Chamber. Now, that will not happen. That will not happen by any means in any stretch of the imagination. Because as reported many times, The Rock does not want to appear at Elimination Chamber. Not, neither does Roman Reigns. Now, in a perfect world, it would be great to see The Rock take on Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship at Elimination Chamber because, number one, it would make sense, it would work, and we would get The Rock to lose to Roman Reigns just like that, and then we put that behind us, and then we move on to see Cody Rhodes take on Roman Reigns. That would be the perfect solution. No, that doesn't happen that way. Now, we're in a position where now, and it's already starting to look like this, where we're seeing... Roman Reigns and The Rock teaming up to take on Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins at night one of WrestleMania. Now, for me personally, for me personally, I would love to see Cody against The Rock. That's all I give a damn about. I don't care about a tag match. I want to see Cody versus The Rock. That should happen. That should be the match that we need to see. Not a tag match. And I know some people are going to say, well, you have to remember something. Rock's age, he can't do it. You know, he's old and all. Look, come on. what? How many excuses are you going to come up with? All right, come on. The Rock's in phenomenal shape. And yes, I understand that there's a difference between being in shape and being in ring shape. I understand that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that The Rock has not been training. Keep in mind, The Rock says he has a ring over in Hawaii. The Rock has a ring over in, in, in what in, in San Francisco or California, where wherever he lives at. Don't you think The Rock has been preparing this for a while now? I mean, come on, you have to you have to kind of see things from this perspective here. You know? I mean that's how it's gonna be. You know? Now to me, The Rock made the right choice. He knew what he was gonna do. He had a choice to make. He chose He chose to become a heel. And how do you get the people to hate you? You go ahead and you decide to slap the taste out of Cody. And that's exactly what he did. He slapped the taste out of his, out of his face. The fans booed the hell out of the rock. And practically the fans felt that slap from the rock. And it worked. It worked. The Rock understands business. The Rock understands exactly what he has to do. So he's not going to get Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But he's going to get Cody and Seth in the ring. So from what it looks like, night one will consist of Roman Reigns teaming up with The Rock to take on Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Keep in mind, 40 years ago, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T took on Roddy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. That was practically 40 years ago. 40 years later, 
Now here we are in the same tag match, but now you have a bigger star in The Rock. You have a bigger star in Roman Reigns. You had the hottest baby babyface going in Cody Rhodes and one of the hottest superstars going in all of WWE, Seth Rollins. And you got these four to get in a tag match at night one of WrestleMania. Now, it's not official yet. Nothing has been confirmed. But no doubt that will happen. No doubt that will happen. So keep that in mind. But we also will keep something else in mind. Cody Rhodes against Roman Reigns, night two of WrestleMania, that's going to happen. And I'm going to be looking forward to seeing that. Now, Seth Rollins, obviously, and from the looks of it, it may happen, night two will probably have Seth Rollins defending his world championship against the winner of the Elimination Chamber match. We'll see how all this progresses. But <laughs> we got a long we got a long, long way to go as far as all this turns out, man. I oh, I swear it was... Um, press conference was incredible. If you have not had a chance to see that official trailer for WrestleMania 40 with those four individuals that I talked about, you got to check it out. Looks incredible and everything else like that. Guys, uh, that is going to do it for this edition of this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. We were going to, you know, we were going to set this up uh, last week, and like I said, I couldn't do it, so I went ahead and released the uh, the one episode that had uh, the Night of Reunion show that took place over at Bruce's Street that featured Shattered Sun and that featured um, uh, the Periwinkle Massacre and everything else like that, and uh, hopefully you guys get an opportunity to listen to that episode. I guarantee I know some people have been uh, listening to it and everything, and uh, I, got a, I got a few positive reviews out of the whole deal. So it was pretty good, to say the very least. <clears throat> so, oh, and also, don't forget, guys, we've got a lot of things we're going to be covering the next couple of weeks. Next week, the next episode of the Main Event Talk podcast will be released on Friday to be ready for Elimination Chamber as it happens on Friday, February 24th, on a Saturday. I believe, and I'm looking at this on the graphic here, it says the kickoff will start at 4 a.m. in the morning. 4 a.m. in the morning. That means that here in Corpus, that means we'll probably check out Elimination Chamber at 3 in the morning. And the event itself will probably start at 4 o'clock. And it will probably, let's see, it'll probably for 4 o'clock, 5, 6, 7, it will end around 8 o'clock. So it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna probably sleep a little early on Friday, just to be ready to check out the Elimination Chamber. This is gonna be something extremely interesting. I can't wait to see how all this rolls out. Elimination Chamber coming up. Then of course you still have uh, the uh, Revolution event that's gonna happen. No Surrender is gonna be happening on the same weekend as Elimination Chamber. There's gonna be a lot of other wrestling events that are gonna be happening, guys. So stay tuned to the Maybet Talk podcast while you can. So, <coughs> as always, follow the main event on Twitter at twitter.com slash at main event player. Oh, I'm sorry. At twitter.com. I'm sorry. At X. X. I swear to God, I got to keep saying this. At x.com slash at main event player. You can also follow me on Instagram 
at Instagram.com slash at Main Event Player 2. And if you want a friend request me, proceed at your own fucking risk. And this episode is sponsored by my good friends at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes, the barman bars and the billiards among billiards. And also, just to let everybody know, I'm probably going to be at Rich's Billiards this week because um, uh, Valentine's Day was Wednesday, right? Wednesday, uh, February 14th, which is also the anniversary of when I debuted over at Rich's Billiards about 21 years ago. And I plan on being over there. I'm probably going to be there just to drink my beer uh, shoots and pulls. Well, I don't know if I'm going to shoot pull, but I'm going to drink some beer, jam out to some music, hang out with some good friends, and then the whole nine yards, and then prepare myself for what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks and everything else like that. So I will be there for that. And also this episode is sponsored by my good friend, Tony Gomez of the Tony Gomez Show. You are the master of your own destiny. Follow Tony Gomez on Facebook and also listen to his podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. Also go to YouTube and subscribe to the Tony Gomez Show. He's been doing a lot of good interviews in the past couple of weeks. Uh, he also did an interview with, uh, I believe, I know the Periwinkle Massacre was one. I think Shattered Sun was the other. And I believe the last one was uh, was with Darkness Divided. So... Get a chance to check it out and uh, listen to it and check it out. It was incredible, to say the very least. Thank you for listening. Oh, and once again, congratulations go out to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl 58. They are the 2024 Super Bowl champs, and hopefully next year we will get the Dallas Cowboys have the Super Bowl champions in 2025. <laughs> Okay, I think that's stupid. Well, well, well. Um, I can, I can dream, you know. Oh, and one, one last thing before I leave. One last thing before I leave. Remember this, guys. Listen to the main event when I tell you this. The NFL, the NFL season is over. Okay, the NFL season is officially over. It's done. It's put away. Now, football is still going. All right. Keep in mind. The UFL is coming. I know some people are going to say, it's not the same thing. Dude, you say football season is over. No, it's not. The NFL is over. Okay, it's done. The season is over. It's finished. It's done. Okay, we have seven, uh, how many months? Six, four, nine, uh, who cares? Bottom line is, we have more football coming. That's all you have to fucking know. To all of you so-called NFL all you football freaks out there, you know who I am. Or you know who you are. Anyways, thank you for listening, and I will see you next week in another great episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Remember, next week, the next episode will be released on Friday, right before Elimination Chamber. Actually, I'm, I'm actually thinking about releasing it on Thursday with the time Elimination Chamber is going to happen. So it's going to be real interesting, to say the very least. But we're going to be covering a lot of stuff that's going to be happening Next week of the Main Event Talk Podcast, remember Elimination Chamber is going to be happening on Saturday, and it's going to happen real early in the morning, guys. So, um, like I said, here in Texas, it's going to start at, I, I, I 
it says 4 a.m. I'm thinking it's going to be at 3 a.m. And then the whole thing will start at 4 and then end around maybe 8 or 9 o'clock. So it's going to be very interesting to say the very least, guys. Be prepared for Elimination Chamber on Saturday, February 24th. It's going to be interesting. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Why? Because I can and I want to. Any questions? Enough said. We are officially at, where we're at? Where we're at? 45? 44 days away from WrestleMania? Whew! We got a long, long way to go, my man. What's going on, guys? It's a main event talk exclusive. This is taking place right now on Friday, February 16th. Now, you just heard the full episode of the main event talk podcast just a few moments ago. And while I was working on this episode, I already had it finished. I already had it produced and everything. It was all set and ready to go. Now, the thing that you're about to listen to right now, the, the show is officially finished as of right now. But the main event had did one little twerk, and I decided to go ahead and put this together on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. If you had a chance to watch Friday Night Smackdown, if you had a chance to see the ending of the show, you knew that Roman Reigns came out, and you knew that The Rock also made an appearance as well. So, to end this show completely, this is the exclusive... Roman Reigns and The Rock appear side by side at at SmackDown, and it was possibly one of the most entertaining things I've seen in a long, long time. Now, we're not going to discuss the outcome of what is about to go down. You're just going to hear the full thing as it happens, and then we'll discuss it more on the next episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. So, with that being said, let's get right to it. Let's hear from Roman Reigns, and let's hear from The Rock. I'll see you guys next week.
did not say individually. I meant when we get you all together like this, you're pretty dumb. And tonight's a big night. I don't want you to ruin this. Because when my cousin comes out here, y'all might go dumb and just catchphrase this. Oh, he's so funny. But this is the thing. Everything we say has meaning. It has purpose. It is information that you need to understand. Tonight, tonight's history. Tonight is the greatest night ever in WWE. The guy that ruined everything, yes, Cody. But tonight we fix it, because tonight is about history. Tonight, tonight is the first night that we can say, The Rock is a member of the bloodline. has got some good news to share. 
Something that's gonna make you happy, something that you can own. Tonight, it is official. You all, right now, live on Fox, have broken an all-time indoor attendance record. Not only... Not only for the city of Salt Lake, but for the entire state of Utah, congratulations. Well, here's the record you broke. You broke the all-time record for the largest gathering of trailer park trash the luck has ever seen. That's his story. 
That's not how it works. I mean, think about it. You think about it right now. Think about how stupid that logic is. Think if you can apply that to sports. Hold on a second. I know you inbreds want to chant what, but sit there and shut your mouth and listen to The Rock. Because this is important. And The Rock is going to educate your ignorant asses. Apply, apply that stupid logic to any sport. The 49ers just lost against the Kansas City Chiefs. What did they do? What did they do? Did the 49ers say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What about our story? We got to finish our story. No. They took their lunch like men. They stood up, they dusted themselves off, and they moved on like men. That's what they do. Now, everybody in this arena, in this city, and in this entire state, you should understand this. It's personal. Think about it for a second. Michael Jordan came in here, and he crushed the dreams of the Utah Jazz. He ended, you boo, because it's the truth. He ended the Utah Dream story. What did the Utah, what did the Utah Jazz do? They took the beating like men and they moved on and they worked their asses off to get right back to the top. That's what they did. That's not how the real world works. The real world doesn't work like that. You don't get a shot at another story just because you want it. That's not how it works. And you don't understand that. You don't understand that because you're spoiled, entitled, little crybaby bitches. Cody Rhodes, make one thing perfectly clear. The Rock is going to do everything in his power to make sure that you walk out of WrestleMania what you are, which is a loser. Everything in his power to make sure that happens. Cody, your story is just ending. Our story is just beginning. The Bloodline, the most powerful dominant duo in sports, in entertainment, and of course in the WWE. is over. You lost that privilege. Sit there and shut your mouth and enjoy the ride that The Rock is taking you on. If you're some what the bloodline is cooking.